Welcome back, everybody, to the Spicy PL Pod. This is episode 20 with John Rivas. I'm Big Babble. Yeah. This is Big Joe Cap. Yep. And we got Big Peachy Boy over here. Yep. So we're very, we're very excited to have John Rivas. We've known John for a very long time. We lifted with him in the USAPL and collegiates way back in the day. Back, back. And John has a, a long career from equipped powerlifting to raw powerlifting in the USAPL tested. He went over to the USPA, competed untested, hit a, a world record total there. Um, he's seen a lot of stuff when it comes to the untested. He knows a lot about that dark that dark underworld of powerlifting. The dark arts. The dark arts. And now he's in pursuit of an IFBB pro card. In the bodybuilding. Yeah. So, John, we go way back, man. We lifted together. We trained together a lot. I wrapped your knees for one squat, I think, <laughs> at collegiate. So um, let's go back to the collegiate days. I mean, <clears throat> you were an equipped powerlifter. You lifted at, I, you know, I know how you got into powerlifting. You were pretty much like us. You went to a college that had an equipped powerlifting team. You went to VMI, right? Yeah, it was it was funny, like, the way I got into it because – I, I caught the iron bug. It was probably like 2005, and I, I was in high school, and I started watching the pump and iron. You know how it is. And I was like, dude, yeah. I want to be a body, I want to be a bodybuilder. And uh, then I went. Eventually, I went to VMI in 2009, and they had it, it's a military academy, so it's like you've got you know the hell week and stuff. So you're not allowed to talk, not allowed to do this. So the first week at school, they sell these little you know, clubs up and, and the, the rats, they call them the freshman year. You can go out and, and go talk to them. You've got your head shaved and like malnourished, you look like trash. And so I went up to the one, I went to the powerlifting one and my coach at the time, I don't know if you remember him, Joe, his name was Monty Sparkman. I remember um, Monty. He's down in Texas, great dude down in Texas. He's still coaching, uh, I believe high school football now and doing a lot of strength training and uh, still a monster. And I remember I went up to him and I was like, hey, I want to I squat. I want to squat. He's like, why? <laughs> Monty didn't like, like the squat, dude. He was a bench I was only. Like, I was like, yo, um, to be fair, he just squat a thousand in, in multiply, but I was I was like, I want to learn how to get big legs, this and that. He's like, I used to, you know, I did natural bodybuilding, this and that. He's like, yeah, you don't do that shit here. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first thing in the powerlifting. And I started doing it. I started getting pretty good pretty fast. I think I weighed a buck 70 that first year and I competed at collegiates. The first meet I did, I qualified for collegiates. Yeah. It was sort of a big deal because like you're malnourished, you're always doing military training stuff. And, um, you know, I, 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 I qualified. So that was like a pretty cool thing. And then went to collegiates first year. I was like a 181. And I remember, I think it was 2010. And I remember seeing Joe and Joe had this big cowboy hat on walking around in Florida. It was like at the hotel. Yeah. Joe was just sawing around. I was like, I'm like, dude, who are these monsters? Like, what did I get myself into? Because I'm a, I'm like 5'10", a buck 80 max. And um, I remember when we, they called for weigh-ins, everyone stood up. And I think I actually went against Brooks Conway that, that, that weekend. Too. Yeah. Everyone stood up. And I was like four inches, five inches taller than everyone. And I was like, like this is yeah so. <laughs> yeah i got your i have your your stuff up right here you got 23rd that meet and i think we always gave you shit back in the day me and brooks yeah, always ragged on you for that yeah. and it's it's funny because i think like that was my third collegiate so 
you know, mm-hmm. I was going to, to win and it's my first collegiate actually, I just always like remembered and respected VMI because I lost to a kid named Ox Bryant. Ox, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it was, it was like you, I, I did one meet, I qualified for mm-hmm. collegiates and then I went and I, mm-hmm. you know, I got second place and I had no idea what I was doing, but I just remember this kid Ox Bryant and, uh, yeah. from VMI. And then, you know, you guys were in Orlando. So like you got 23rd and you're 181. Two years later, mm-hmm. you lifted at 220 and you got fourth, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like mm-hmm. a pretty big yeah. jump. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that was the year that um, Sherman was like, invited you to lift on the team. So like- Yeah, so the story with that was, so I had to fill up my frame. And at BMI, I mean, I could admit this now. We used to sneak a microwave in our room. Like, that's the way college was. We had to sneak microwaves. And so in between class, I would come, I would, you have three meals. You form up for formation, the first one, the last one. You know, you got lunch. So I got three meals right there. And then in between them, I would come to my room, and I would cook oatmeal. And I would oatmeal, and I would mix packets of tuna. And it was like cinnamon oatmeal packets of tuna. I would eat that in between class. So I was still getting like maybe five or six meals in, but it was disgusting, but you had to do it. So I got injured pretty bad after that first collegiate freshman year in 2010. And I actually had to do a little bit of rehab, probably about three months. And I mean, I knew nothing about powerlifting then. It was just, you know, I think I was good at power or deadlifting. So I did it like three days in a row and, and really screwed up my back. So I did rehab for a while, took the whole year off. Um, and just kept eating, just kept getting bigger and stronger. And then eventually, by junior year, when I competed in cleats again, I knew that I was going into the meet sort of unknown. And I was sort of happy about that. But I think I gained, I think it was like 210 at that point. And I got fourth. And then I was like, okay, I want to go to nationals. Like um, two months later, mm-hmm. because I knew I had a chance to improve my total. I did bad. Not In my opinion, I did bad. That we gave you shit and for then, that too because you you won that junior nationals right yeah in 2012 later, and nationals. if you paid 50 extra bucks you would have won open nationals you didn't enter both yeah, divisions right. <laughs> yep so but it was cool because then you know i think at that time i was still an alternate i was still an alternate but then i got the call from kurt and he was like you know you made a team that's not so I'm like, okay so now two months later so we got collegiate and then two months later nationals and two months and I'm like, okay, so between April of collegiates, I weighed 207. And by the time I left for Poland, shirt Poland in 2012, um, a couple months later, so it was like, how about five? Yeah, it was literally April, June, and then August, you know. And, so in and, that time frame, I went from 270 or 207 to 245. Yeah. And it was because uh, I, I started working with Sherman and he gave me some tips and tricks of how to gain weight. And I remember I would go to, the grocery store, you know, would for my I would get mass shakes and I would also get um they have coconut milk and then they have yes. like cans of coconut the can <laughs> the can uh-huh. coconut yeah. milk. Yes. And he was making me drink cans of coconut milk and he was like, hey well just do about a quarter of a can of something. And you know my dumbass I was like, all right, cool make you great one you think. Chug the fucking so can. I half the can, the full can for protein shake. And I got so bloated and so big. So by the time I left America, I was 247. And by the time I came to Poland and weighed in, it was probably about a week later, 
I was 227. So I lost all that water weight and stuff the week of the, the uh, Worlds. But it was good because my gear wasn't fitting. You know, my single fly gear wasn't fitting when I first got there. By the time I was there, and it was, uh, it was fitting. Yeah. So would you say that you were equipped lifting just because, I mean, back then, collegiates, you wanted, you were really into winning collegiates, and uh, collegiates was only equipped. There was no raw division, right? So you think that's why you got into the equipped lifting? I mean, that's all we knew. That's all yeah. we knew, Joe. You remember that, like, back then? I mean, raw lifting came on the scene, what, really, like, 2012, yeah. 2013? So everything that we watched, I know you guys know the sport history as well. I love the history of sports. Like I get into them, I'll like research it, watch every old school video of Kyle's being bodybuilding. It doesn't matter. And, you know, I'm looking up the Furnace and Cohen, Steve Goggins, you know, all the, the West Side guys and stuff. And, you know, that was like motivating. You know, they weren't multiplying stuff. I didn't even think about it. It's like, this is power. You know, this yeah. is what you do. I didn't care that it was raw or it wasn't raw. It was like, this is fun. So we do. So. Yeah, so you um that that junior worlds in 2012, you got fourth, and I I know that you you remember that guy Nerland from Kazakhstan, right? Who ended yeah, up? Yeah, I got third. I meddled in the squat, and I had some issues with a bench shirt. So was, this is how I knew I was still in the powerlifting. I was wearing a, a F6, I think, when I went to worlds, and it was like old and beat up. So I I think I benched like 507, five something, low fives, and then um or 496, something like that. And then the deadlift, I was still pulling conventional and not really know how to do sumo and all that stuff. So I was happy with the placing, but I remember watching Nerlin come out and his squat, and I was just like, what did I squat, Joe? Like 793 or something like that? 793, yeah. And then I watched Nerlin squat, and I was like, okay, these guys are, this is real. Yeah, but did he pop that meat, or did he pop after? He popped after that. Yeah, so I remember you were a little upset because, like, he was obviously on shit the whole time. But like you got fourth, and you would have meddled if he wasn't, if he actually yeah, got caught. Yeah, I would have meddled for sure. And it's funny he's he ended up serving his suspension, and I lifted against him in Poland five years later. But me, I remember me and Luis sitting there like, yo, this guy's five years older, and he's probably still on shit. Like, what is he gonna do? Mm-hmm. But he he didn't really yeah. he didn't really do much. Um, I think I, he, I, he had to get off most of his shit. <laughs> with a lot of powerlifting nowadays. Going into the drug tested side of it, the guys, I mean, they're smart enough. It's pretty simple. You've got stuff that lasts, has longer half life, using your body for a longer amount of time. Then you got stuff that comes out of your body pretty fast. Yep. So if you're a fairly little body fat, you got fast metabolism, um, you know, you maintain a pretty healthy lifestyle, you always work out, you always sweat, and things like that. You're going to run through some of those fast, the fast acting stuff pretty, pretty well in the off season. And by the time you get to a competition, as long as you haven't jacked up your testosterone levels or done anything crazy, no one's gonna know. You know <laughs> so do you think? Do you think if you uh, if you had to pass a test, you'd be able to cheat and still pass the test? I would know enough how to do it. Yeah. Now, would I want to? No. Did I ever oh, take things? Oh no, no, cheat? not accusing you. I'm just out of curiosity. You would be no, able yeah. to. You'd be able to know. You know, you could check your blood work after you try a couple things, yeah. and you got to. You guys remember the water test and everything. It's pretty much like playing cybersecurity. You know, in a, in a, in, a, in computer senses, it's like computer terms. The good guys are always. They're trying to stay ahead of the bad guys, but the bad guys are always one step ahead. So you're, the, re, the way they make tests for things is 
things get back, things get passed. For instance, like the whole SARM thing, the Austrian thing that happened a few years ago in USAPL. You know, all these these SARMs started coming out, and the, for the first little bit, they were they weren't catching people. And then they started, they made the test for it. They started getting the um, you know breakdown, and it was come out comes out of your urine and whatnot. And then they started catching people. For it. Yeah. So I mean, it would take a lot of work to really focus. So you can definitely do it for sure. If you were to like microdose test, is that something that you could get away with? Or is that something that you think people aren't really doing? Like what, how do you think people are cheating nowadays? You know, if you'd have to I guess. Think, I think it's simpler than, cause I see a lot of guys doing some stuff and you're like, hmm, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you had some of the best guys in the world. You know, people just haven't become genetically mutants in the past 10 years. Like you haven't gone from, Oh, here's what Brian Siders did. Here's what uh, Mark Henry did. And those guys are freaks, right? But, you know, you've got a lot of strong guys. And all of a sudden, you've got guys 10 years younger doing the same thing. And I think, now there's always going to be freaks out there, but I think that there are a lot of guys doing certain things. And uh, they'll never talk about it. They'll never be open. They'll always deny it. And it's, you know, it's, it's on them. That's what they want to do. But, I, don't, I think there's certain things you can microdose and certain things you can take. Once again, it goes back to half-life. Messing with your test levels directly, that's that's a little more tricky. That's a little more tricky than just taking um, something like a little like less androgenic and stuff like that. Like let's say you take like an Inabar pill. You know, it's one of the lower androgenic ones. Mm-hmm. You take that in off-season for a month or two, no one's going to notice it. You take six months off it, you'll be fine. So, but... You know, you I mean, how would you level, how would you manage level. random uh, out of meat testing if you were to do it? That's know? hard. I mean, it's just luck of the draw. So and that's I, why they it, people. It just brings me back to like thinking about like there was a lifter Kelly Branton from Canada who was like a big yes. super mm-hmm. heavyweight raw yes. lifter, super and it seemed like he got an OMT, and then they mm-hmm. OMT'd him again thirty days later mm-hmm. to kind of like d- double whammy him, and he mm-hmm. popped for like five compounds. So like, are you kind of yeah, just, are you kind of just playing cat and mouse? Playing cat and mouse. And the thing is, and it's so simple. Everyone likes to make it so difficult to try to understand and figure it out, but it's just simple. You know, you take stuff in the off season, uh, you try to get off it, but you know, hope they don't test you. But for instance, most of the time when people get caught is when they get on teams. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I think frustrates me is frustrates you guys a lot as well. And I'm not even in USA anymore or tested powerlifting, but or bodybuilding or whatever, when I see the whole, you know, oh, I got popped, let me go put out this supplement and try to blame it on them. And you know, it's like, dude, you're not taking D-ball and train in your pre-workout. I'm sorry, you're not. Whatever you, know, <laughs> you want to say, just man up and be like, hey, dude, I did it. You know, I got to serve my time. But that's not the way it works nowadays. And you know, people don't want to be bashed on social media and whatnot. So, yeah, it's pretty funny. Like when you see UFC fighters and stuff, you know, claiming that it was a gas station dick pill or something like that, like John Jones. <laughs> but uh, I, I guess like when someone does claim to be a tainted supplement, a lot of times, you know, if they can provide the actual container and they can trace back the lot, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, they can prove maybe that the supplement had something in it. But I think a lot of times maybe they know that supplement has the shit in it too. 
Yeah. You know, it's like some sketchy brand. No yeah, one's have heard it on, of. have it on the side so you can get it tested. Yeah, I mean, exactly. What What do you think? Why do you think Osterine became so popular? There, like a couple years ago, there was they weren't testing multiple um, lifters popping for Osterine. I mean, like Malik was, was using Osterine. Uh, his girlfriend, freaking Mitchell Fountain. Yeah, it worked, and it was. You wouldn't see any really side effects um, because they're still they're still doing studies right now on the SARMs, on the uh, peptides and stuff. These things haven't been studied that well. So a lot of guys, especially in the bodybuilding community, they'll do these things and then you know they'll say, oh, this works this way, this works that way, do it this, do it that. But there's no real study. Like you know how deep ball deep ball's been studied, tests have been studied, all you know, you know what it's gonna do. You yeah. take your much, you know how it affects your body chemically and with the SARMs and peptides, you just don't know. But that one got caught on quick. I know Joe used to look at the boards and the forums and stuff. People were raving about it and it just started, you know, like a, I don't know what I'm Yeah, me and Peach, me and Peach used to read Outlaws. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were all yeah. over Outlaws. Outlaws. Yeah, Outlaws. <laughs> yeah. So just, a lot of stuff went down We'd there. see what Eric Lillibridge was taking. <laughs> so, John, <laughs> John, have you tried Osterine? Uh, I did it. That was when I left USAPL. That was the first thing I did. What what do you think? It would help me recover way faster than not taking it. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, obviously yeah. we're not we're not condoning any usage. I mean, it, we're not condoning yeah, usage. Yeah. Let me say this to, to preface before. Yeah. When I was testing, I, I don't know if my tests are still up because they're so old from like 2012, 2013. But every meet I ever went to, and Joe, you know this, like, and you guys, I'm sure, Peach and, and Bally, you guys. They don't get tested test. that much. <laughs> I, I've got OMT'd when I bombed out at the Arnold. <laughs> I've never gotten an OMT, but I've been tested. Moment. Yeah. Well, jo- yeah, so it's like you get tested, dude, Joe. We used to get tested every meet. Yeah. And especially, I don't know if they still like, like the West guys or something, but we got tested everywhere. Well, and I'll tell you this. I, people have emailed me when you like went from squatting like 600 to 793 in such a short period of time. People are like, Oh, I can't believe you lift with this Revis guy. He's on shit. I'm like, nah, he's not. He just gained 40 pounds. Like, we got him some gear, yeah. whatever. And like, you know, <sighs> I, I heard those rumors, and the the truth behind that is, dude, we used a lot of hand-me-down stuff, equipment, like you guys did. And when I took my head out of my butt and I said I want to do a bit of power thing, I started using a little bit tighter gear. Yeah, I started really lifting in my gear. I started doing. Instead of doing a powerlifting program and then doing a bunch of bodybuilding stuff after, I would come in, train powerlifting, I would study it, I would use bands, I would use chains. I started busting my ass for it. Yeah. And so my squat in two years, in 24 months, went from, actually, no, not 24 months. It, it was actually, it's last. I'm sorry, I think that's <laughs> It was in 16 months, my squat went from 523 to 793. Yeah. And like that's yeah. believable to me for an equipped lifter because I did that type of shit, you know. Like, yeah, I, 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 I squatted six hundred, then I squatted seven hundred, mm-hmm. then I squatted, eight, and it's happening in over a matter of months. Like the first time I got mm-hmm. real gear, my total went up three hundred pounds, like out. a snap of a finger. And people mm-hmm. said the same shit about me. But what what happens is I don't even really get tested anymore, which is funny because I've passed so many tests over the last thirteen mm-hmm. years. They don't even waste yeah, their yeah, time and well. resources on me. Plus, my total is like I've gotten to a point where I'm like grinding out five pounds every year. So it's like obviously I'm not on shit. I pass so many tests. I don't do anything crazy. If I hit a ten kilo PR, like I'm 
like I'm fucking you know over the moon. So like yeah, eventually eventually it just goes away because there's other people they need to test. There's all these raw lifters coming on the scene that are just like crazy out of the gate that they need to use their resources. Crazy out of the gate, and there's just so much more information out there for guys to for training for nutrition but also you know to get by and yeah. try to do things to help them move along and become stronger and recover and it's sometimes it's sort of obvious to me when i see guys who hit certain numbers out of the gym and then when they go to the competition because let's be real usapl guys aren't cutting 20 pounds per week no. like you do outside in uspa or raw, raw unity or big dogs you know i was cutting 20 pounds when i lifted um in those competitions but in usapl yeah or else you're fucking dying yeah so when you shouldn't be your total shouldn't be suffering that much consistently when you come to a meet or it just means that you're an idiot you don't know how to train yeah so let's get let's get back to you personally john so like 2012 you did the world championships for junior like everybody was like wow this kid's really talented because you've only been lifting for a couple years and then 2013 collegiates, you know, you got second place and then you did a couple more meets, but then you kind of decided that, you know, that USAPL wasn't for you. So, I mean, this is something that Alex wanted to ask, like, what was the first thing you did when you decided you were going to switch over to untested raw? Like, was there a process with the USAPL? Cause I know like when Malik did it, he signed a retirement paper saying, I'm not going to take this drug test right now, but I'm also never going to lift in the USAPL again. Did you do something like that? And also, what w- what was like the first thing you did? Did you call someone? Like, how did you start? You know. So that goes back to Joe. I think you know, being on the world team and stuff that you and I were on, and it was like you always wanted to to win. You always wanted to win national stuff like that. But then when I, you know, I got a little injury after you know BMI and, and worlds, all that stuff, and I started lifting raw. And I did like, I think one bench nationals and I won like the junior division and like I got like second or third in the open. And I was like, I don't even want to mess with gear anymore. I don't have any training partners that much. And it's like working a lot. And, and so I was like, okay, let me start looking raw. And I did my first raw meet. I trained for eight weeks because I was injured for a while. You can ask Sherman. He, he used to say, hey, well, we need to retire. But I trained for eight weeks and I squatted like 617. I benched like 457 and I pulled like 716 or something. After it was was that a, was that a USAPL meet or was that? That was a USAPL meet. And that was like the highest. It was, I think I set, I think it was like a pound over the weight limit for the 231 class. So I didn't break the record, but I would have broken the bench, the national record bench. And I would have broken the national record total, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the national record total as well. So now I'm, I just did that in my first raw meet, and it was like right at 1800 raw. And I'm like, okay, let me go to nationals a couple months later, and I did, and I had the worst day. I missed every single third lift. Denver just messed me up. I don't know if it was the air or something, but it messed me up. And um, I was in second place up until a guy named Eli Burks pulled some crazy deadlift, and he bumped me into third. So I got third in my first raw nationals, as like fresh out of the junior class. I think I just turned 24 a few weeks earlier. And I was like, okay, I can keep doing this, right? Or I know what potential I have. I want to go play with big boys. And I want to beat the guys I always used to see on YouTube and this and that. And that's what I decided. So after that meet, I took a few months to just train and had fun. 
And I was like, you know what? I was like, I want to play the big boys. So I never went, I think I went to one or two uh, USA PL meets after that just to coach people and stuff, local ones, never had any issue, never had to sign anything. I just went off and just did my own thing. And yeah, I, basically so your membership thing. expired and, you know, you were basically out yeah. of the drug testing. So, yeah. 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 And then Rode off into the sunset. Yeah. Rode off into the sunset. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, I, I really wanted to ask you what you think about some of these guys who kind of did the same thing as you. And, like, you know, I I know that you were, you know, natural when you were USAPL, and then your numbers just skyrocketed when you decided to do USPA. And the thing that sticks out to me is your deadlift went from like 700 to, you know, low 800s in, in a short period of time. But do you think that guys like Dan Green or Ben Pollock, you know, they competed at Raw Nationals? They weren't very good, in my opinion. And then, you know, uh, you know, me and Peach has talked about this. They probably were clean then because their totals went absolutely oh. crazy when they decided to go untested. But they, they did lift natural for a little bit, and they weren't very good. Yeah. I can't remember if Ben Paul and Tom. I can't remember. No, I, I think they both that. bombed, John. I think they both bombed they out. They, like, bombed out, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they bombed out. Okay. Um yeah, so I still know Ben. Uh, he he actually we have the same bodybuilding coach. It's actually funny, but um, I will say that if they do work, steroid drugs <laughs> do work. That's just they do, and of course, you know there are sometimes levels to it where you get underground stuff, the legit stuff, and whatnot. So you know, and there's also you know when when you go that route. You can't sit there and be like, well, he's doing this and he's doing that and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, nah, you're doing it too. There's no, when you go in the jungle, there's no weight class in the jungle. Everyone's <laughs> under one roof now. Like everyone plays the same game. Yeah. And the thing you have to be careful about though is you can, you, you stop learning about your numbers and then you have to start thinking more about your health. And by that, I mean, you can take whatever you want. You could set world records, you could do whatever you want, but then you have to decide, and it's in the back of your head, am I willing to cut 10, 15, 20 years off my life? Am I willing to cut five years off my life? You know, it, it goes, life goes so fast and you start realizing like, hey, you know, this guy might be destroying stuff right now, but you guys know how this is in the age of social media and the way things are now. The moment you sort of retire and stop powerlifting and whatnot, I mean, you'll be forgotten about in two, three years. Yeah, yeah. So you have to do it for internally. You have to do it intrinsically. Like, is this what I enjoy? Am I having fun? So then you really have to think about, you know, yeah, I can take a bunch of stuff and, and I've seen and heard a lot of crazy stuff, but it's really up to the individual. You know, obviously, if you take more, results will be a little crazier, but then there's also... Um, diminishing marginal returns where when you take too much doesn't necessarily lead to continuing gain yeah. otherwise everyone would be squatting 2500 yeah from what i've heard it's um use the minimum amount to see some noticeable results until mm -hmm. your body can kind of gets used to it you know try to try to get by on the least amount and so you can continue making gains it seems like that's the smartest thing but i don't know if that's necessarily what everybody's doing it's not. It's not. And, you know, people will always say, get your blood test done, get your this and that. They're not getting the blood test done. <laughs> you don't want to know what your liver enzymes you are, right? Know. Come on, man. Like, oh, shit. 
my liver levels are like 30 times what they're supposed to be. I just stopped taking this for a couple weeks. I'll be fine. But yeah. Like, no, like, you know, it, when guys' numbers skyrocket, it depends. Everyone responds differently. You can have guys that take a bunch of stuff and their numbers will go up, but not crazy. And then you've got guys that will take less and they get a hundred pound jump in the bench press. Yeah. Is, is that a genetic um, thing? Like just some people, res- some people respond better than others, right? It's, it's hundred percent genetic. So you have you know, your receptors and stuff and some people's receptors are more, for instance, hair loss, mm-hmm. uh, which they think I got, but like some, some people's receptors, be best to you. <laughs> some, people, some people's receptors are like more sensitive to DHT and hormones like that. So some guys lose their hair, some guys don't. Some guys I've seen take very minimal, super minimal stuff, and their back looks like someone shot with a shotgun. They sift the acne. Yeah. I've seen guys take doses. You'd be like, uh-uh, I don't even want to get near that, and they look fine. Can't tell. Yeah, one of the big reasons I haven't tried is because I'm scared to grow tits. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. He's already got he's already got fluffy tits, and I, you don't want them to be any fluffier. Yeah, since since I was a teenager, I've had perky nips, and I'm just scared uh-huh. that they they go crazy. That, <laughs> the, the thing about it is, man, you gotta pretty much everyone's different. It's a chemical experiment with your own body, so you never really know until you do it. You never really know, and and if that's something that like once again you make that decision yourself, and you're like, hey, I don't really feel like that take. That's awesome. Like, they don't do it, you know. They accomplish everything you want to do naturally, but you know, the, a lot of guys. When you get to that point, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy mindset, and it helps you become a, a world, world level lifter. But it's also a reckless mindset because, I mean, honestly, guys walking around with acne from their acne on their fingernails. You know, it's like they got so much yeah. stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because, like, obviously, there are guys who were in USAPL and then switched over, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, you just have to deduce that there's a small percentage of people in the USAPL who are using stuff and getting away with it, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, you know, one of my favorite lifters of all time, and you, Brian Siders, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you've seen him in person or you've seen pictures of him, he had horrible skin. Like, mm-hmm. like, do you think that that's a telltale sign? Because I can think of a few top level raw lifters right now in the USAPL. Because I won't, and I won't name them because they're active, and and I. And, and so, I don't want to accuse, but there's te- there's some really really bad skin out there. Do you think that's a telltale sign for a grown man to have that skin? It's not telltale, but it is a sign. Yeah. Right. I think I think it telltale would be this person. They're 24, 25, 26, maybe thirty years old, and they've never had that type of acne on their back, on their shoulders, and stuff. And all of a sudden, middle of a training cycle in the off season. He's got a bunch of acne on his shoulders in the middle of his back. And he never had that when he was a teenager. He never had it when his hormones were going crazy. Yeah. So it's not it's not necessarily, you know, some people might just not shower. Some people might yeah. have crazy oily skin and stuff naturally. You know, you guys know Mediterranean, we're all, we're all Mediterranean. We have that oil I have skin. great skin, dude. I have great skin. No acne over here. Yeah, you got good skin, man. <laughs> but you know how it is. It, <laughs> what, I would, what I would say is like, if they never had any issues of that before, then the numbers start going up in the off season, and you see that they're getting a little bit of acne and some like real cystic acne. Then yeah, that's definitely something. okay. Yeah, if they've never had it, some people just have yeah. shitty skin. Yeah, that's that's yeah, good. Some people just have it. You know, yeah. it's like hmm. I think 
um, like crazy delts out of nowhere. There's like a lot of androgen receptors in the delts, right? A lot of people on gear have like crazy delts and traps. And also a lot of times I see like this vein that runs across the delts. You see this like vascularity that comes out. I think that might be a sign. Some people that are natural and very lean have that, but I think a lot of people using, it's like more pronounced, like their blood pressure is higher and they're well, shredded. What that's what that stemming from is their red blood cell count. Yeah. Increased red blood cells in their body from their extra testosterone and things like that, a lot of more blood in your body is going to make the veins a little bit bigger. You ever saw Ronnie Coleman in person? The dude had, dude had uh, ropes for veins. Yeah, garden you know, hoses. Right. Garden hoses coming. Yeah, I think of yeah. Frank Frank yeah. McGrath, yeah. that bodybuilder has crazy Frank veins. Frank McGrath yeah. monster. So it's like, you know, when you, when you increase that red blood cell count, things like that, it's going to push a little more blood and expand the vessels a little bit over time. Yeah. And then on the, fe- on the females, on the females, you can see changes in their, like, I think it's a lot oh, yeah. easier to tell on females. Um, yeah. cause there's changes yeah. to their, their faces. And I think, I think there's little, I think there's little to no females that are on drugs in the USAPL and, and maybe I'm naive, but I, I think there's I a know. good amount of male lifters. I think you're naive. That are I think you're naive cause I think SARMs and stuff, well, I mean, there, there's always going to be guys. That's why they do drug testing. They're always going to have guys for growls that just want to push it the limit a little bit, or they get an opportunity, or someone's in their corner telling them to do something that, like, you know, they might not have had access to before or thought of, and they just give it a go for a meet and they just want to have a little fun or see if they can do this. Or someone convinces them that all the top guys are on it, so they got to do it, which isn't true. Yeah, I think know? that's like the the reasoning that a lot of people use at the end of the day, but like it's. Mm-hmm. It's horseshit, but I mean, at the end of the day, do you think drug testing is worth everybody's time and like the USAPL in general or tested bodybuilding? Tested bodybuilding seemed like it ain't worth anybody's time. Well, no, I think in tested bodybuilding, there's not as not a lot of cheaters. It's probably the same level of cheaters as powerlifting or less because it's like no one goes to watch te- uh, natural bodybuilding really. There's no, it's not like it's like those shows are small shows. You go to a high school auditorium and compete against other people and. You know, the national they have nationals and worlds and they're not huge shows. But in the NPC, you know, you have Mr. USA, you have Team U, and then you have IFBB and there's like financial incentive. So I think, you know, yeah. there's a lot less cheating in natural bodybuilding. It's just not will, as it's not as exciting. Alex, I will say though, it, it blows my mind when people do that stuff for exactly what you talk about. When they do it, because there are people that do it in natural bodybuilding. And that's sure. yeah. And it blows my mind when it's like, okay, guys, what are you doing this? Like, there's no money. There's, you know, oh, you got you got a supplement sponsor, and they send you a couple of free drugs and protein. Yeah, it's like, stupid. It? Like, and, and then, you're, you know, it's just, it goes back to, do these people, would these people really be in the sport if there wasn't social media, if there wasn't things like that? You know, is this really coming from their drive to actually be the best and push themselves to be the best? Or do they just want attention? Do they want fame? Do they want this and that? You know, so... I don't agree. If you if you compete drug tested, don't do anything. Please don't. It, it's yeah. Like you said, waste your time, waste the rest time, and then you rob someone who busted their ass to get the first place. Now he's got to be second. Oh, but then he gets a, a letter in the mail saying, "Oh, hey, by the way, you got first. Yeah. I always tell people, I was like, "Listen, if I ever got on shit, I would have never powerlifted. I would have tried to become a professional strongman." like because of yeah, my size exactly. and like if i was this size and willing to do drugs and i would just do that that would be fair you know but being on drugs and ipf is not fair 
but yeah. you know, it is what it is. I think yeah. even when you get to the international level, it's worse because international teams don't have that perspective we have and they don't have options to lift tested or untested and to be on mm-hmm. the team. They basically, and the win it's basically in their culture or the coaching yeah. culture there to be on shit. So we compete against yeah. a lot of lifters who are on stuff. And there's more incentive too because they you know, get, they make money. They make money. Yeah. Yeah, if you I think we have all the same opinion if you if you compete in something drug tested and you cheat, you're a scumbag, you're a piece of shit. You shouldn't you shouldn't be doing that. Go some somewhere else. There's somewhere else. I would go even further as to say that like in my eyes, it in my eyes it's I need to know but like in my eyes it's sort of it makes you a coward. It's like, well, okay, so you want to take what the other guys take, but you don't want to compete against them. You want to keep competing at the JV level, but you want to have all the equipment and everything the varsity guys use. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you tell them. Yeah, agreed 100%. But so it's it's good that we have another place for people to lift if they want to make that choice. I think if you want to make that choice, you want to compete untested. There's nothing wrong with that. You can do whatever you want. It's your body. It's you know, it's your decision. You want to handle crazy weights and do that stuff. Go ahead. There's a place to do that. And you went that way. Um, You probably saw some crazy shit. And I'm curious about that. Like, you know. I'm sure, uh, you know, in the in the warm up rooms or, you know, in the back rooms, the weigh ins, you probably saw some crazy things. Like, do you have any war stories from that, you know, from that era of your career? I will say there. I mean, there's always going to be stuff going on in the, in the warm rooms and whatnot. Um, I will say though, the one, the probably craziest thing I ever saw was the amount. For some reason on social media, trend is like a big thing now. Every, they they love making. Fun, there's always trend. trend memes, yeah. Memes and like people, like they don't understand it at all. Like they don't understand that this that drug is like really, really strong. You talk to any of the older lifters and the guys that used it in the '90s when it first came out, they are terrified of it. Yeah. You know, they'll tell you, "Oh, I did this little bit," and it's like I didn't want to stay on it. And that yeah. guys nowadays, the craziest thing I ever saw. Let's say a normal dosage would be like mm, a trend acetate, which is a half-life, I believe, of 48 hours, maybe like two or three days of half-life. Um, they'll take maybe 100 milligrams, 150 maybe should be a normal dosage. Yeah, every other 50 day. 50 or 150. I've seen guys take 2,000 milligrams in a week. Holy fuck. You know, you're, yeah. it, guys, it's five times what they should really be taking. I mean, that's I, definitely some crazy stuff. Um, yeah, in that sense, I've seen, I've seen dudes take, you know, no names, but like I've seen dudes take what, you know, a D ball pill could be anywhere between 10 milligrams, like 50 milligrams, 25 milligrams, like that. Um, so you end up taking about maybe like a hundred, 150, like a normal, uh, powerlifting competition, something like that, competing up to, I've seen guys take like 400 before they compete that day and stuff like that. And that was a <laughs> Yeah. So trend trends like super toxic, right? And it's got crazy side effects. Yeah. Yeah, What is trend, Dick Revis? Anything, anything you take that's putting in your body, you're messing your hormones a little bit because you're changing the chemistry of it. So trend and Deca, you know, they sort of hit some of the same receptors. That's why you hear like Deca did also. Um, But the way it reacts with receptors and things like that sort of turns down that that drive. Yeah. Almost like almost like the old whiskey. Whiskey. Oh, really? It's the same thing. 
But some yeah. some other ones make you go crazy, right? Like I mean, if you just well, take tests. Trend is the opposite. I'm sorry, I was thinking. Decade is the one that makes you that. Trend is going to make you go a little crazy. It's decadic. Okay, decadic makes makes Not you trendic. makes trend, you soft. Trend, trend makes you, you hard. Trendic's trend cr- crazy. Mm-hmm. Trend makes you really aggressive towards everything. It's not just that. Yeah. Towards Roy, everything. Roid um, Ranch is real. Right? Roid Ranch is real with Trend. If there's anything that's going to make you get angry, it would most likely be Trend. Um, <laughs> it would most likely be Trend. Now, once again, that's another thing that people think, oh, you take you crazy. Not true at all. Not true. But if you're an angry person and you're an alcoholic, when you drink alcohol, it's going to make you punch holes in walls and drink Mountain Dew. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when you're a normal guy, you drink alcohol, you might laugh, you know, do some normal stuff. It's the same thing with that. If you deep down, you know, you deep down, you sort of have some anger issues or this and that and insecurities and you do that stuff, it will push those to the forefront. And it doesn't always end up in, in a good way, especially if you're mixing things with like depression or other mental issues you may have that you may not know about, that will definitely push you down a path you don't want to be on. But yeah, it's not a guarantee. It's just like anything else. It's not a guarantee that it'll mess you up that way, but okay. it could. So what, um, what's Kaber and what's it do? What's Kaber? <laughs> so those are things, that's something, that's something you can take to combat. There's all, okay, so you take a certain thing, right? And it gives you these positive side effects. But then also with it, though, especially if you do it too long or too much, there'll be negative side effects. So trend, prolactin levels, things like that can go up, nipples, things like that. So you have to take certain things to combat that. So it becomes like a really big science experiment. Um, and a lot of guys don't understand how to use certain things or they use too much. And that's when the bad sides come in. That's when you have to use things like that, uh, which you just talked about. I've, I've heard some adult film stars use it. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. So what I've heard is that Kaber um, increases the volume of, you know, <laughs> your jacket. Yeah, I mean, you know, really? A lot of guys do that. Growth hormone, stuff like that. Does any of it make your pee pee grow? <laughs> I heard HGH it works. I heard it makes everything grow. It'll make a lot of stuff grow. So you have to do a that. really good amount of it, but it's not going to make. I heard rumors that like John Cena, uh, maybe I shouldn't talk about. I'm gonna get sued by John, about John Cena. Cena. Gives fuck. He's a celebrity. <laughs> He's a celebrity. Kid. I'm gonna get sued by John Cena's lawyers because he claims natural first of all. But I heard that um, when he was running around Springfield College in Mass, that his dick was so huge from the HGH he would like swing it around. Maybe so, it was just big. Maybe yeah, maybe he just had a huge. Hey, maybe too. that's one of the things. I mean, he's so young; he wouldn't have been on human broken on that long to. You know. yeah. That's something that's something that, that happens over time. Lifetime HGH use. This is an explicit podcast. Yeah, it's an explicit podcast. But let's let's like reel it in and talk about when you lifted untested. So I mean obviously yeah. I, you have a few meets under your belt, but let's talk about like the day you set the all time world record total and was it a two forty two weight class at that point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um 
Like just everything outside USHL is still old school weight classes. Yeah, yeah. I'm just making sure that that's what weight class you broke the total Mm -hmm. in. But like, when did you say like I'm choosing this weight class? I'm gonna be big as fuck, and I'm gonna break this all time record total, and this is what I want to do. I never lifted. I never forced myself to try to get into a weight class. I always lifted in the weight class. I was sort of hovering around. You know, I didn't believe in like. Now, when I, I was holding a lot of water and stuff, uh, you know, to train heavier and stuff like that, but I never believed in, in an insane amount of cutting muscle and saunas and stuff to make weight. I, still, I didn't believe it. I'm like, I'm not going to live to my strongest, right? And so I'm like, I just want to be my strongest. If I got to cut 10 pounds or whatever, cool. Um, but, yeah, that's – so it was 242, and I had just done – I think I had just that January, I had just squatted um, – like eight, 10 in wraps for a double or something. So a couple months before. So I'm coming off feeling pretty good. I won the LA Fit Expo um, out in Los Angeles. And I hadn't had like a perfect meet yet. You know, I had good meets, but there's always something a little off or I missed this or the spotter grabbed that wrong. But so I put all my eggs to a basket and I prepped really hard with um, my best bud and my training partner, Brandon Mason, and he pushed me to, like, we didn't miss a workout, we didn't miss a set, we didn't miss a rep, and everything was lined up from the food to everything, so I sort of just stayed around that weight class. I think I weighed 250 going into it, and I was like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm going to set this world record that Dan Green has, the all-time world record, and I'm like, Dan Green has this record, but not going to do it without knee wraps. Yeah. So I was transitioning out of gear single ply. So I went from single ply to knee wraps. Now I'm like, oh shoot, I gotta do some knee sleeves. <sighs> okay. So then we started training. Like it was a little bit different training for it because obviously the weights have to be lower. Um, your body takes a little more beating when you go raw, and uh, things just came together. And that day, I think I showed up three or four days before in Vegas. Um, I was eating. I was taking chicken. And I was like washing it in the sink and then eating it. It was like already cut to get all the sodium off. So I could make sure I made weight without having to do a sauna or something. Some crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then and then afterwards, I think I weighed in like 239, 240. And then the next day when I was competing, I was probably like 248, 250 or something. 24-hour weigh-in. Yeah. Like how much – like, would you say you were on a dangerous amount of like drugs at that point, or were you like kind of trying to be do it? I mean, it was it was a little bit, and this is what the guys do now, so it's not it's not really anything crazy, but it was definitely. I look back on it, and I was like, "Ooh, that was a little more than I think I'll even get close to nowadays." You know, and that was, it was about a two year period where I was I was you know on some stuff, and I did powerlifting, and. Uh, I look back on it, you know, because we would cut weight and then uh, a local nurse would come up to our room and she would give us IVs. And, you know, she would put stuff in there that NFL players had a recent issue with suing the NFL, stuff like that. So things that make you not feel stuff. So, you know, we'd be getting our IVs, then also we'd get other stuff put in there and you can taste in your mouth and you're just like, hmm, I guess it's working. By the time you go to the lift the next day, you don't feel a thing. I mean, you're you're feeling awesome. You know, there's no yeah. aches, there's no pains. Anything you had, ooh, nagging this, nagging that. Mm-mm. So what is, what exactly was it? If you if you don't mind sharing or 
Do you know? Do you know what was it? Toro. So it's the things that they they inject the NFL players with, and they had like a big huh. thing about it. It was like they're getting injured, but the doctor putting it in them, and you know. Yeah, and then the the players' association sued the NFL or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think I got like probably twice the amount of what probably an NFL guy gets. You think everybody um, so who's doing that water cut and then getting IVs is doing that? Like, there's like, why would not that? necessarily? That was just what, what uh, like me and some other guys did. I'm sure they've done stuff, they've done other stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I haven't seen it, I've never speak on it and, and, and say what the, someone else has done. I've never seen it or, or heard about that. Um, yeah, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, you're doing some certain things while you're competing. Certain supplements while you're competing to keep you know those levels just, and um, I'd say when I, we started the meet that day at eight o'clock in Vegas, and I was lifting, and then I was the last deadlift. Um, I think I missed like my eight fifty or eight sixty something, but I made my second eight thirty two, and that was like eight o'clock at night. So we lifted like twelve hours straight, and uh, I tried to go to sleep, couldn't really go to sleep. Um, I think I pretty much stayed up. I might have had like an hour or two of sleep in like a forty hour period. Just because everything's running through you. You know, you got the adrenaline, you just set the all time world record and um you're just on some shit that you just you can't sleep. So So that's the so the the steroids prevent you from sleep they give you insomnia sometimes? If you're on no, too much or no. no? You're just too no, jacked up. You're just too jacked up. Just too just too hyped up. There's weird just <laughs> you know, so much stuff running through your veins. You know, you don't know how long you react to each other and adrenaline and everything. You're feeling good, and you know, so it was just one of those things. To, so, yeah. so the way I remember it is like you were super stoked to set that total, right? That all-time world record total. I don't remember it being on the board for too long. Like, didn't Larry Wheels break it like very shortly after? Yeah, like a couple months later. Of course, that's the way it always was. You know. I'd always like do something, then other people come by, like smash it up. But I said it, I had it like three months, and then some guys, like, we got boss of bosses, like some guys chipped it by like two pounds or something. Now, granted, this record is stood for like four years. So it's really one of those things where no one even comes close to touching it until someone proves that it can be done. So I'm coming out of nowhere. I, in USAPL, people talk shit or whatever because they thought I was on stuff when I wasn't. Then I go to USPA, and you got, I remember there were guys, guys in the warm room and stuff that didn't like me because I came from USAPL. And I guess they thought I was like some elitist or something like that. So I'm getting hated by everyone. I'm like, okay. It's a lose, <laughs> lose. Lose, lose. I don't give a shit. I'm going to do my own thing. Like, I remember going to the warm room my first meet, and I was warming up, and there's this guy, I won't speak of his name. He's an idiot. But um, I think he's actually up north. Um, but he would like give me this look and not even help me with my weights and this and that. I was like, and he's helping everyone else out. I'm like, what's wrong with you, man? Cat doesn't even lift anymore. He's a moron. But yeah, it was Yeah, there's a lot of people in like that. But um you know, it, I can't speak to what other people do and stuff like that, but it's definitely when you go in the jungle, I mean, there's now I heard a lot of people do well not a lot of people do but some people do meat day orals like halo and stuff like that do you have any experience mm-hmm. with that or anybody else you no, know have experience with that I, that's one thing I haven't I haven't messed with um, you know those are very strong 
things that go in your system. Once again, the half-life thing, like those are super strong and uh, only in your system for a little bit of time, but those are something that the stronger they are, the harder they are on your body to metabolize and things like that. So that's something that could really fry your liver and stuff. I'm not, I, personally, me, I don't mess that stuff. That's not, it's not worth it to me. What about, adre- yeah, what about adrenaline? I like didn't 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 dudes like inject adrenaline into their necks or some shit like West Side no, dudes? I didn't know. I never heard of that. <laughs> never heard that. I heard guys doing coke um, before they go off for that stuff. But yeah, no. All right, that sounds fun. Yeah. So yeah, so that, yeah. back then it seemed like the IVs weren't as uh, publicized, maybe because there was no social media. But I, I didn't see a lot of videos of people taking IVs. Like I didn't see Dan Green taking IVs or anything like that. But like some we, guys posted, some guys posted. They all did. They posted you know, it. Like, some guys posted. Dan Green was in. So also, I'm sure you, I'm gonna ask you guys your opinion on this. When someone cuts twenty pounds, twenty five pounds for a, a competition, let's say they're two fifty and they lift at two twenty, right? And then they take a bunch of IVs, run a bunch of stuff, glycerin, whatever they take to put the weight back on. And then they're lifting the next day at 255. Should it count as a world record? Should these things count as records? I mean, like, even in USAPL, yeah, you're going to put three or four or five pounds back on, you know? Yeah. And in the USPA, you know, eight, 10 pounds, fine. When you're putting on 25, 30 pounds back on, should it really be counted as a world record? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why I brought it up because I noticed there was the meet yesterday, uh, the showdown, the showdown meet where Mm -hmm. a lot, it was a big untested USPA meet. John Hack was lifting in it. Uh, Marion Gasparian. Yeah. This girl, Hunter Henderson did a big weight cut. uh, Joe Sullivan Sullivan. did a big weight cut. And Andy Huang, Kimmy Johnson's boyfriend. So I follow a lot of these people on social media and all I see is like they're in the sauna. Then they have, they all have IVs and they're posting about their IVs. And I was just like, yeah, these people are basically lifting in a weight class below because they have the 24 hour weigh in and they have these IVs. So like, it kind of goes back to like, we had a discussion about kind of like, the extra that you get from going from tested to untested. And there's like a lot of factors. And I think that's a huge one. Yeah. You're basically getting credit for a weight class below you when you're not right. That's one thing as someone like, that's just my view. And I don't care what people say of what I think about it. I don't care. It's my view. So it's like, you can call me a policy purist, whatever. Yeah. Yes. Technically there are no rules for how much weight you can put back on. Is it healthy? Hell no. That's why boxing and actually regular sports have certain, you won't gain, what, five pounds after weighing by the next day? Yeah, I think the UFC uh, came up with something because the, they had a huge problem with that with the UFC and uh, UFC guys were like making not being able to fight because is this recent? so much weight. this is recent yeah. yeah yeah because I remember it's always been a big problem and I, I I wrestled in high school and you know at the beginning of the season they'd weigh you and measure your hydration mm-hmm. and give you like hey yeah. you can't go lower than this weight class for this year yeah. and then it was also a yeah. two-hour weigh-in too so when you have the 24-hour weigh-in I guess I'm glad to hear that about UFC I should yeah look into that it, it, it's, it's one of those things that when you when you decide to pilot outside or do something like that you just gotta go with it you just gotta accept it like this is the way it is and you want to play that rules play that rules you know it's pretty much like hey this is what's allowed it's allowed but you know to be fair 
you know, I know they had 24-hour wanes, you know, for a while, 90s, stuff like that, but, you know, I think before they are probably like two hours, I don't know, maybe yeah. But a part of me is like, you cut 30 pounds, and let's say you're going to smash, I know one of Sherman's favorite guys, John Cook. Let's say you go, you go pay John Cook's record, right? And you, what was, what was he? 242 or 275? I can't remember. 275, I think. So John Cook was 275, right? Let's say you weigh 310, you cut down to 275. Then next day you're weighing at 310, you're competing. And you break his record by a pound. I don't think that's legit. I don't think that's legit. And if you go on social media bragging about that, this and that, you're an idiot. It's yeah. like, dude. Once again, it goes back to guys who use stuff, um, you know, in tested stuff. It's like they're scared. So it's like, why don't you lift in the in the why don't you lift in the weight class you're supposed to be in? That you know you're walking around that, but it is it is within the rules, and they can do whatever they want within the rules. So yeah. who are we to say what you can and can't do? That's just an opinionated thing. Yeah, it looks like but John Cook was two forty two. Two forty two. Two forty two. Okay, so just crazy because his numbers were crazy. So. Yeah. So Sherman talked a little bit about this. Um, he talked about how he thinks some of those guys' records should carry, and he's kind of upset that they changed mm -hmm. the weight classes. But in my opinion, I think changing the weight classes every now and then is kind of a good thing because it cements those records in time, and now with these new weight classes, it goes with an era. So now there's a new era, 24-hour weigh-in, IVs, new steroid technology, new knowledge, new nutrition. And so it kind of sets sets a new weight class where that record can stand in the past, where where Cook's record will kind of stand in history because it's well, a that's, different that's time. That's really an issue because no one changed the weight classes of IPF. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of think that, you know, maybe the weight classes should have been changed there as well, especially when you're untested and, like, the differences in drugs and yeah. – techniques and all of that stuff really makes a big difference so like don't do you think agree with it. that or do you think it should just be well, all about this yeah thing. who holds the records what a website someone paid yeah. a domain name a host name what powerlifting watch powerlifting <laughs> whatever you know i don't even say no names i don't give a shit about them but it's like you got powerlifting whatever holding these records yeah who's the who made that guy in charge of owning all these records and documenting them. Is he putting it all right? Is he putting them all in? Is he missing ones? Is he not promoting ones that people he doesn't like? Who knows? It's not regulated. So you've got these websites putting these records and it's like, that's what we have to go to for everything that's the, the 50, 60 year history of the sport. That's where we have everything, really? So it almost makes, I think, powerlifting outside of the USAPL, I hate to say it, man, it almost makes it seem not as legit. Because where where all records just disappear? Well, records are only only count from 2010 on. You know, that's all whatever. And they'll always say, oh, we're trying to get everyone's records this night. We'll never get them all. We'll never have everyone's records from every AAU meet and all these other meets, you know, AAU was before, you know, all those uh, federations or whatnot before they broke off. And they'll never have all the records. So it's almost like USAPL, IPF, yeah, people, a lot of people might hate them. The one thing they do do right is 
they have the records set. Now, when they switched the weight classes over, it sort of screwed over a lot of guys. They should have put those records over too. But everything's on the same level. You go to the same spot for the records. All the records are, are done at the meets. There are no backyard meets. You can't yeah. go to a uh, Joe Schmo. Oh, this guy sells a rubber band around my chest. So I go to his meet and I have a, a split second chest command. Well, you know, no, it's like, it's all tested. It's all, you know, all done by the, the refs that are done their tests and everything's documented. And you can't set all these records, like a world record. So you couldn't go to the, the Boston, I don't know, whatever and set uh be kind of kind of all squat and like have it set, yeah. you know so i think on one side of the coin it's interesting because if you follow something like like julius maddox and like the raw bench record like everybody knows mm-hmm. that's the most anybody's raw benched ever right yeah. but then again it's mm-hmm. like what fed did bill kazmaier compete in what fed did you know like scott Mendelson compete in like it, it, there is a lot of differences and i guess like you have to rely on a website like powerlifting watch or open powerlifting to like take all it's basically data management they're taking all the meat results from every fed and putting them in one place and then like just filtering them and then oh okay i'm, I'm I have the all-time world record where in the usapl and ipf it's basically like a 45 year history yep. of records you know and yep. and it's the only fed that hasn't you know even though it changed names and stuff it, it, it stayed consistent yep. where you know there's just so many new feds feds go away i mean us uspa seems like a really good option right now but if anybody else is trying to set an all-time world record and it's not in the uspa it seems kind of dumb you know like you should do it in the usapa unless you're multiply you know and then i don't i don't even know what those guys do multiply is crazy that you're starting to talk about 48 hour weigh-ins you know yeah and then it's like like long as way and being your train cycle six months or three months before is so like I said, it's almost like a controlled chaos in everything in total. And you know, people may not agree with USAPL and IPF. Shoot, I've done both sides of it. But I will say that the organization and it causes a lot less drama. You might hear drama about so-and-so lifter or so-and-so doing this or doing that, but you'll never hear drama about the records. Yeah. In USAPL. You never hear drama about well, this record that no, those things are they're known, they're set the way it is. And uh yeah, things like 24-hour weigh-ins to 48-hour weigh-ins make a big difference of how someone's gonna lift. You know, but let's say I go to uh multiply me and I cut 20 pounds, 25, 30 pounds, say 30 pounds, guys do that, let's do 30 pounds. I got 48, I had two days to get back to my regular level, and I smoked the record, but I yeah. did it wrong. I wear a t-shirt. That goes in the raw bench. Same as the person who lifted in USAPL. Same as the person who lifted USPA and only had 24 hours. So it's like a controlled chaos, and that's frustrating. I know it's frustrating for a lot of guys, and people don't. People will talk about it, but they don't. But it's like I don't know if it'll ever get changed. It's just one of those things you just gotta, I guess, roll with. Yeah. Yeah, I guess the uh, the splintering of feds and powerlifting is just a big issue that. I don't know if it'll ever go away. It's not going to go away. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what the solution is, really. I mean, some of the some of the small feds might just like eventually go away, but uh, yeah, I mean, powerlifting has so many different federations that, and everybody's got different rules. Everybody's got different standards, and it's just like, you know, the reason why people branch off in their own fed is because they want to lift the way they want to lift, and then like yeah. that's that's it. That's why I think I like you know? the USPA, and I like that the fact that 
bigger meets are happening in the USPA. Like I, I'm a fan of powerlifting, and if like people want to do drugs and do powerlifting, I think that's the the best way to go. I think what would be cool is like if somebody stood up and like open powerlifting was like, okay, it's either USPA, you know, whatever the multiply guys do, like pick one fed or USAPL IPF, or it, it does. We're not going to put it on our website. You know, and that would fix a lot of things, but nobody has the balls to do that. Some accrediting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like an accreditation process of open powerlifting, yeah. you know. There's a, there's a lot of guys that, and, and Joe, you guys know this. Um, Joe, you being one of the guys that's probably, you, you'll say something online, but you're the same person in person as you are online, right? Yeah. So I've said that a lot. So, I've gotten so into that problem a lot where like a guy will talk shit to me online. Then I saw this person in person and I was like, yo, what's up motherfucker. And like the guy stood at the floor and then like reported me to the AEC to try and like get me in trouble. Like the, I don't know, like the political way. And like basically yeah. everybody laughed about it. And then that guy eventually got kicked out of the fed for being a pervert. So, you know, I always tell people like, listen, if I don't like someone, I'm always right. Like you should not, you should not trust this person. <laughs> It's just—it's funny because you add hormones into that mix, you get a lot of dumb people saying a lot of dumb stuff or acting tough and this and that online, and then you see these guys in person, and man, it's tough to get into. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. You know, especially in the all-time world record game, like uh, yeah, and and it's sad because there becomes a lot of clicks. You know, there's a lot of clicks that I noticed just going from USAPL to the. I'm thinking. Everyone's gonna be cool with each other. You know, we're all in this together. We're all lifting. We we pretty much are the rebels. Like we're doing our own way, doing whatever we want. Like you know, we come together to meet, we all hang out. But there are clicks for sure, hundred percent. There are clicks, and you know, just being one of the guys that sort of stood back and just watched things play out. You know, I was never gonna try to fit in or try to be someone's buddy. There's a lot of brown nosing yeah. in powerlifting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure in USAPL, but also on the other side. They want sponsors. They want this. They want. They want more followers. They want this. And I sort of just laughed at it. I'm like, guys, you realize what powerlifting, right? You know, like, just I don't know. It's very silly to me. Yeah, very silly. I, don't know. I think we should transition to some who's hotters. You know. Oh yeah, I'm ready for this. I'm excited <laughs> for this. Okay. Should we start with the most important one? Or maybe we should finish with that one. I think finish with all that right, one. All right. All right. So, okay. uh, all right. I mean, we're a pretty big podcast now. I think we might have like tipped off John Cena's lawyers. They're, we're probably on their radar now. We have thousands of listeners across the world. Um, so let's just do a who's hotter with John Cena versus The Rock. Right now or in their primes? You got to give me. Uh, let's just say in their primes. In their primes, yeah. Mm, I'd have to say, ooh, that's a tough one. Because John Cena had been bodybuilding before he was, so he had access to a lot of stuff. But then again, The Rock, his dad was a professional wrestler, and he, you know, he was an NFL player. So it's like, or he, you know, at least played for the the U. The U. Like for the U. Yep. If you've ever seen, uh, oh god, what was that movie? Um, the Rundown. No, the football one. Uh, oh. I can't remember it. Some of you remember the dude. The lineman shoves his head through a window because he made like. Oh, the program. Movies. The program, yeah. So yeah. you know, I'm sure that's what the U was like back <laughs> in the day. Yeah, you know, wild. But uh, I'm gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to say John Cena because The Rock went mm-hmm. into movies and things like that, 
And I think he's, you know, he's got a couple kids. I don't know how many kids John Cena has, but John Cena has always been about training, bodybuilding. You know, he's always had those arms and things like that. I, I would say John Cena, he's been, it seems like he's more about the strength aspect, rocking more all around athlete type. All right. All right. Yeah, just yeah. to kind of st- uh, stress that point a little bit too, I do remember seeing some John Cena powerlifting footage, and uh, he was squatting some weight. Like I think he was like up over six hundred pounds squat yeah, or whatever. So. Yeah, that doesn't mean you're on shit. That's no, I know, but yeah. I'm just saying that like yeah. it. See, I I think the I think it's obviously the Rock. I think the Rock is way bigger. He's just way bigger than John Cena, and John Cena claims that natty, which means he's probably half natty, and the Rock would yeah. never claim natty. Yeah. Now he doesn't really have to worry about it. He doesn't not you know WWE or any of that stuff. And he's way more shredded and stuff now than he was like back in WWE. And he sort of looked like he had that little bit of like test D ball growth back in WWE. But now he looks like he was his, his delts like, his delts are chiseled, bro. Yeah. I, I mean no, neither of them are messing around, but yeah. I think The Rock definitely cycles on and off because I see a lot of pictures of him here and there that he doesn't look too impressive. And then, you know, when he shows up for, like, some guest WWE show, he looks crazy. Or in some, you know, he's in pain and gain with Mark Wahlberg, and he looks like an absolute ox. Yeah. But then other times, he doesn't look so great. Or when he played Hercules, that was he was looked insane. So, But, yeah. like, John Cena seems like now he's trying to do more serious acting roles. I think he's probably on, like, a TRT dose. And maybe, yeah, but you know, in their prime. But in their prime... Mm, I think The Rock. Uh, I, I think yeah. All right. All well, right. All right. let's keep on the wrestler all thing. Right. Well, all right. Um, Macho Man Randy Savage versus The Ultimate Warrior. Are we talking cocaine? Or are we talking? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're they're even on cocaine. How much? I mean, I, I think The Warrior was on more shit than Dude, any professional wrestler. By the way, uh, was it Animal? Animal just passed away. Yeah. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, animal. Rest in peace, man. The, the Road Warriors. But, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely the Road Warriors. Those guys are insane. Yeah, I think it was, did they have that bench press off in, in the WWE or whatever one time? Another guy came up and smashed a chair or, or threw a chalk box on him while he was like on 500 in his hand or something. Uh, I think that, that, that was way back in the day. Do you remember? There were, not too long ago, Ryback attacked Mark Henry while he was benching 225 for reps. Oh, he was about to yeah, pass Dude, this was like animal, and it was like a, it was, yeah, somebody attacked him. He had, he had like 500 in his hand, and some dude threw a chocolate like in his face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Right. So you're saying warrior, hands down? Yeah, all for sure. Yeah, right. I'm saying warrior. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. all right. I got one. Rocky Four. Who's hotter, Rocky or Drago? Sly or Dolph? Hold on. on. Not in the not in the movie. In the movie, it's Drago. But in real life, is it Dolph the engineer? He's a doctor or something? Or Dolph? Dolph Lundgren? He was. He had some. He had some like you know impressive profession before he came. Yeah, I think he's like some kind of scientist or something. I can't remember. But then again, where did uh, Sylvester Stallone train off season with Arnold Drago? Golds, right? He trained in golds. 
Yeah, you can you can look up those photos online. They're they're outside. I think they're talking to some chick or something, and they're outside a gold or world gym. Yeah, uh, I think it might have been world gym because they weren't at gold at the time. But yeah, they were all training together. So yeah. I don't think so much. That dude still he still does his stuff. Cause didn't he get picked up in Australia for something recently? Like or yeah, yeah I feel like it was like five years ago. Or I something think Sly because because they just had yeah. the new Rocky movie or, or um was it the Creed movie? Yeah, it was where Creed. Dolph Dolph Lundgren Creed. was back, right? Yeah, Dolph Lundgren brought his son to fight, and Dolph is just like a normal dude. He's probably not on shit. And I mean, Sly and Arnold are still on so much shit. Oh, right now, but right I'm saying now. in Rocky. But I mean, I think it's because they took way too much shit back in the day. Yeah, so you're going Sly. Sly, Sly, Sly. I'm I'm going with Sly. He was Dolph Lundgren more shredded, but I think I think they were both taking plenty of shit. Now call me an idiot. Dolph Lundgren could have been natural in that movie. You're an idiot. Could have been. He could have been. No, he's natty now. Why would he be natty now? He was on shit then. You need you need TRT to make. How do you know he's natty now? Because I, dude, if you watch Creed, he's just a normal looking dad. You see him with a shirt off, dude. No. All right. So, well, so I know I know Sly right now is also super hot because he's talked a lot about HGH. He's talked a lot about he's yeah, he's yeah, on he's a, a, yeah he's like very pro like hormone therapy. You know, you see him in in like the recent Rambo's. He looks crazy, but back then, yeah, he's also more shredded. So I think we're all going Sly across the board. Yeah. Uh, you got any? Yeah, let's do some powerlifting ones. Right, let's let's, let's do yeah, one. Let's, let's do one that's near and dear to John's heart. Right. Okay. Dan Green or Larry Wheels. Yeah. In the Dan Green, oh, I don't know about Dan Green now, but Dan Green is his prime, and Larry Wheels whenever. You know. I will say I heard from someone who will not be named, who had direct access to to someone who was giving Larry his stuff. I don't speak to these people anymore, but I will. Uh, who was more reckless with it, Larry? 100. <laughs> yeah, and, I think that's uh, the main reason you moved to Dubai these days. Yeah, getting in trouble there. <laughs> but um, yeah, I would say you know it's sort of not to sidetrack, but it's like that was one of the things that sort of made me go into bodybuilding, sort of turn away from powerlifting. When I left USA IPF, there was the the organization stuff just wasn't there. And once I set the world record, it was like, hey, what do I do now? Do it again? You know, what I, you know, so I wanted a new challenge. But I noticed that powerlifting outside of USAPL and stuff was more headed towards a social media festival. And even guys nowadays, they're more focused on putting up their training every day than going in the gym, busting ass and training in general in, in the first place. And, uh, you know, you'll see certain guys that, like, for instance, Larry's thing now, it's like half porn, half yeah. uh, his girlfriend's porn or something. It's Larry's like, is unfortunate. His, his, I mean, he's getting paid, but, like, it's pretty, yeah. cr- it's yeah, pretty it's cringe, cringeworthy stuff. Had a to do some really awesome stuff with powerlifting and put it on the map with the, with the amount of pull he had and everything. And sort of went down the path of YouTube, trying to YouTube famous and stuff, so... Yeah, I see that a lot. People stop competing, and it's like they're just Instagram powerlifters. And we've talked about this a lot. lot. People, even USA powerlifters, they train. They it's all heavy singles now. They 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 don't even work hard in training. They 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 do something to post. You know, they don't want to do eighty percent five by five anymore. That's not. It doesn't get likes. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're I, will, catching. I think it, in that question, I would say Larry. Because yeah. I never saw Dan Green bleed out of his skull like 17 times before. <laughs> <laughs> Start bleeding out of his chest yeah. after a deadlift. I, oh, it was a, it was a pimple. It was a pressure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think uh, Half Thor is hotter than, you know, in his prime than Eddie Hall or vice versa? Who's hotter? Oh, I don't know. I've never delved into the world's strongest man side. Like, they hung out with those guys. Um, that's how maybe you Larry. You know, like, they all hang out. But um, I will say that Thor's lifting went from being good. Like, I remember seeing him start out. He was like, I'm pulling like a 600 deadlift or something, 500 600 deadlift. Yeah. And he skyrocketed really fast. And uh, he got those newbie gains. But I will say that when Eddie took things to the level he took them, he sacrificed a lot. It wasn't just drugs. I mean, he talks about his his, his movie and stuff that is like the, the amount of dedication of food. He was so much. That's why he retired. What he had to put himself through to pull 1,100 pounds was pretty much like, hey, dude, I'm not going to live much longer. If I keep yeah, I think he might have been on more shit for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And I think that he was like, hey, dude. I'm just going to live my life. I did what I did. I comes what I did. Time to move on. And I think that Thor realized that, saw that, saw the publicity, everything he got, and was like, time to step up. Yeah, but Thor's been Thor did it for a little longer and more consistently. But I think me and Alex saw him in person, and he looked very unhealthy. Like you can tell when a guy's liver isn't working. Like his skin was fucking green. You know, like his his filter yeah. his filter just was malfunctioning. You know, which you want to talk about like a, a telltale sign? You talk about the skin and stuff. I mean, obviously, if your eyes are looking yellow, the jaundice and things like that, but you can always, like you said, you can always tell when someone just doesn't look healthy. They've got that blood pressure, red glow. Yeah. You know, their skin just looks all like they just like you said, they just look unhealthy. The you red know? skin. Yeah, I feel like he was like yellowish and green. Yeah, Eddie had more of the red look, yeah. and and Thor had more yeah. of the green look. Eddie had the blood pressure look, where Thor had the Dude, the fail, liver healthy. failure. Yeah, Eddie looks good now, but I'm sure he fucked himself up. They, they both look pretty good now. They're both losing weight. Who do you think is going to win the fight? Eddie. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Eddie, Thor has a reach. Eddie's a psycho. Eddie's a lunatic. <laughs> or is like, he's still got that sort of nice guy. You know, he just had a kid. Or he's about to have, have a kid or have a kid. And, you know, he, he's doing it because, he, you know, he might not like Eddie or whatever. But Eddie really, I think Eddie really hates that guy. Yeah. And I think, I think he's really going for blood. Yeah, I, we're gonna try to go we'll if, if we can go next. <laughs> it is it in Vegas? It's a year from now in Vegas, so in hopefully, Vegas. like you I'm know, in. things. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna just do a live. Like, I want to walk around the street like a dumbass and like ask people who they think is gonna win, and they're gonna be like, "What fight?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering who the fuck's gonna watch this. No, fight. we'll just walk through the sports book because you know some of those degenerates. Yeah, have money yeah, on it, yeah. We'll put I mean? pe- we'll put the spe- peach in the sports book. Um, <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so we'll give you one last final one, the best one. Peachy, take it away. Yeah, Peachy, give him give okay. it to him. Who's hotter? Eric Lillibridge or <laughs> Dave Hoff. You guys do this like every week. Everybody that comes on has to answer this. Even Carling Barr answered this. what did Carl say? I think he said Lily Bridge. I think, yeah. A, a lot of people say Lily Bridge. Yeah. Has everyone said Lily Bridge? I think, I think everybody yeah. said Lily Bridge. I don't know. I, 
No, it, people have said Hoff. Yeah, I think people have said Hoff. It's hard because just because you take certain stuff doesn't mean you're going to look a certain way. That has to do with training and diet, um, and hypertrophy, things like that. So it's like you can't really look at them and say, oh, because Eric has the same traps and a better physique that he's way more stuff. I will say that, and I don't know if it's true, we have to ask Eric, but a rumor was that Eric only took orals up until he was like 21 or something. He didn't, or 25, I can't remember what it was, but he only took orals for some time. I never did any injectables, stuff like that. So he was said, said some crazy numbers of his orals. It's really impressive. Um, so that being said, I know West guys, West Side guys are just animals. They're just like monsters and that's like the one wild card is like the shit, the stories, like you would think Eric's on more shit, but then the stories you hear about West side is like, they have to be on more shit. So it's like, oh, that's why it's I, such a good question. I've heard, I've heard the opposite from somebody that it was Blaine. Blaine yeah. said that he thought they were not on as much. Shit. Yeah, yeah. Blaine said that he went to West side and they're actually, you know, they're actually more cautious about, you know, less is more. And don't go I feel like one of the first, stories you hear in powerlifting whenever you get in the powerlifting is that if you want to go to west side louis is going to tell you to take as much shit as possible and then like as long as your body can handle it and you don't die like that's what you're going to be on because here's the thing they may they may tell you like if you go train at west side and blames the strongest dude like natural so of course they're not yeah. going to tell them hey dude look what i want no they don't want to you know because blaine's like okay i do i honestly don't think natural. blaine would understand it if someone told him like and, and so, so, you know, I'm sure Blaine is telling the truth, like what they told him, but then again, do they want to tell him the truth? So, ooh, I'm going to, dude, I'm going to have to go, I'm going to have to go with Hoff on this one. Mm. I'm going to have to go with Hoff on this one. Yeah. yeah. I just think that those, just the mindset yeah. of those guys, because they can, they can be told what to take, but dude, when he's like, oh, I'm going to go for 3,100. Right? Like I told him. <laughs> yeah, him, it's like, fucking crazy. 3,100. Dude, you still have that on your back. You still have a thousand pound bench, thirteen hundred pound squat, nine hundred pound deadlift, whatever he's doing. You know, and I will I the only reason I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna say it because Eric has shown that even when he's walking out squats and things like that, he's still hitting pretty crazy numbers. Yeah. You know, I, I know he, he his more recent video he's squat like eight hundred, like walked out or something, and he's not pushing things hard at all. You can tell. He's not pushing things hard. Um, he's just pretty much enjoying life and training, training a little bit. I'd have to say, I'd have to say the West Side, West Side guys, just because they're mentality. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think Bonico yeah. was telling us that you know Hoff was like trying to get her to use or something, and like he was like, "Oh yeah, I got like this injury Is here. You, uh, you know, I just shoot, I just shoot a little HGH in this, and it's all good." And I'm just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. we're gonna get him on the pod anymore. If he'll ever listen, nah, we'll to get him this, on the pod. We'll get him on the pod. We're gonna yeah. try. Yeah, the reason why we always brought up Eric Gulabridge though is because I remember on uh, Outlaws, everybody would talk about how much shit he was on and how he's gonna fucking die if he keeps taking this shit and blah blah blah. Yeah, he was like yeah. the gold standard on Outlaws of how much shit yeah. you can take. Yeah. But then again, hey, and here's here's the double sword. Like Joe said, people were saying Outlaws stuff, right? You know, and like, my squat jumped up. Two, three hundred pounds in like a year or something like that. It's like, oh, it was running this and that. So you can never go by what someone on the internet and stuff says. Yeah, Eric looks way freakier. Dude, way freakier. If you saw him open street, you'd be like, okay, here's this guy that like probably rides in like a lot more impressed grass. 
And here's this guy. So <laughs> you're like through his ears. You know, yeah. like this guy looks like he could rip your head off and just keep walking. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything. So, yeah, I'd have to say that's a tough one, dude. I'd probably say Hoff. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Hoff. So, so obviously, like you still pay attention to powerlifting. Like, who is like who is your favorite powerlifter right now to watch? Right now, I, I try to pay attention um, with work and stuff because I, I work in a hospital, so COVID has been pretty crazy. Um, but I, I've tried to pay attention a little bit. I would say right now, I definitely keep up with Yuri whenever he lifts. Um, I definitely follow, still follow IPF somewhat. Um, I want to see Danny Green make a comeback. Yeah. I think number one, because when I broke his record, I had a lot of respect for Dan. I still do. I have a lot of respect for Dan. He's had more injuries than you can think of. And the fact he's still at it, he's still grinding. I'm say I want to see Dan have a comeback. I think Dennis Cornelius is, God, I'd put him up there for one of the best squatters of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure, especially him being natural with up. Squat nine. What was he squatting? Maybe a little. He squatted nine. nine. He squatted nine, I think. Squatted nine, you know, sure. At a like, meet, at like one of Roar's meets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2260. Like, yeah. with no shoes on and not wearing underwear. Yeah, it's dumb shit. Yeah, like, yeah, he's, I, I'd say Dennis Cornelius is definitely, you know, him and those guys that I watch. And, and, like, I'm, I'm here to see uh, Luis Benson on Luis, <laughs> yeah, hold your breath, dude. Um, I, I think I'm gonna bench seven before Lou. Yeah, Let's there's a lot of wages going on. So on the other side of the coin, like you know, when when we just jumped on the call and before we started recording, you said you were all hyped up. You said you were all mad. At, you were mad at a bunch of people. Like, who's your? What power do you like the least? Like, who gave you grief? Like, who do you who do you want to call out? Is there anybody? Or who's on the most? Who's on more shit than say- than Dave Hoff? You know. Give us something. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you a little, little something. <laughs> well, one thing, I, see, I don't really think about powerlifting anymore in that sense. I follow some guys in the fitness world. Look, you think powerlifters are dumb? Go to the fitness world, like the Instagram battle. I know you lose. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of guys that like are so narcissistic, and the stuff they promote, and they get all the pats on the back, and you're like, dude, if you said this in person, people would look at you and be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Oh, yeah. But they go, like, you know, it's okay to, to constantly be narcissistic and stuff online, but that's another story. But I will say the one thing that I always was sort of pissed off about when I said I was coming up in the ranks, I got picked up on high level. No one knew who I was. No one knew who I was. And because uh, I just don't self promote like that, it's just not my thing. It's not my personality. If you do it cool, it's not my personality. But I got picked up on high level. And when I broke the all time world record, they were trying to get me in the animal cage. That never happened. And then when I broke the record, I'm like, dude. I'm instant. I'm in the animal cage. I'm going to get in. I'm going to lift the bar. And I saw him at the Olympia that year. So I tried to say hi. And the guy that used to run that, he doesn't work for them anymore. He's at a new supplement company, but he was a piece of shit. And I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. Wait, who's this? The guy who ran the cage or the guy who ran the Olympia? Yeah, he was like sort of in charge of the athletes and stuff like that. Okay. He always walked around with this little look on his face. (laughs) and uh yeah it was like i never understood why guys were getting picked i even submitted a video i had guys writing the animal to get me in the cage local guys that were like hey that were cool with them they were actually cool with these guys hey this is my boy he just broke dance record like he can get in the cage do deadlift try to pull 900 or something 
And then I made a video that I still have on YouTube in like 2016, 2015, 2016, to get in the cage. And it was like an audition video or something like that. It was all my big lifts, repping 800 and squats, things like that. And I sent it to them and they, I spoke with the guy. He's like, I will get back to you, whatever. Next thing you know, I see they're picking guys who just have like more social media followers. Yeah. Guys who are way shit, to be honest, like they sucked. They were way less, they didn't accomplish what <laughs> yeah. I accomplished. And it happened like that for a while. And so I was like, okay, like I'm sort of blacklist, like blackball or whatever. It's like, okay. That's cool. So I always had sort of an issue with some of those guys doing the animal cage because animal cage over time, it used to be something cool to watch. Now it's just a fucking joke. The guys are. Yeah, just, it's not really that cool yeah. anymore. It picked everyone, anyone and everyone to go lift. It doesn't mean anything. But in a, in a time when I was trying to do it, it was like I accomplished all this stuff. And it doesn't mean anything because I didn't have a bunch of social media followers. So I always had a little bit of gripe with that, like, animal group. You know, it's like, all right. But to be fair, the guy who was running it and stuff like that, he was an idiot. He's gone, so I can't hate on animal. Anymore. He's gone. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll find out his name eventually. Yeah, fuck the animal cage. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was something, something <laughs> natural. I'll, I'll give you this. At the amount of times I've been at the Arnold, I, everybody's always like, hey, dude, you want to go check out the animal cage? I'm like, nah, why? I've never stood up in that fence and looked like a fucking – like if – if I ever got caught in one of those videos holding onto the fence and looking at these idiots like I'm a fucking <laughs> cuck, I'd kill myself. So, you know, I, I'll just give you that, John, is I've never even stopped a minute at the animal cage. I could give two shits you less. Stopping, you know? it, it's a bunch of, it, it's that, once again, <laughs> one of those clicks, and they're just patting each other on the ass, and it's like, oh, wow, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it doesn't mean anything, but it's like, you know, we're cool. We hang out together. We have the same social media follower. It's like, yeah. it's dumb. It's grown man acting like high school kids. I want to make a correction. I don't know if Bonica said that Hoff tried to turn her dark. I just remember that she told the story. Don't worry. Nobody that. thinks Bonica's yeah. dark. No, Nobody no, no. Yeah, Bonica's dark. not dark. But I don't yeah. know if Hoff tried or not. You know, I, but he was definitely shooting shit. Hoff's in his a good injuries. man. Hoff's a good he man. Seems cool. We're trying to get him on the pod. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just hoping Hoff doesn't get pissed and not decide to do the pod. And then I hope John Cena doesn't sue us. He's not gonna. Yeah, or Dan Green or Ben Pollock or any. Fuck it. <laughs> this, has right. been, this has been pretty good pod though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um. So John, um, I'm never used, but I've, I've, uh, you know. I've thought about it. I think um, one of the main reasons I don't want to is first off, I'm scared of growing bitch tits. <laughs> and I'm not sure, you know, if I want to be on TRT for the rest of my life. Um, and I also, I think mentally for me, I think it would be very hard for me to go back to training if I had to come off. Um, like, what do you think the biggest drawbacks are to turning dark? Uh, obviously, like, you know, you can tell us the positives too. I'm sure you feel like a god. You lift crazy numbers. You hit PRs. You probably feel good. You probably fuck like a porn star, and I don't know what else. But sell sell me on the pros and cons, and especially I want to know the cons. Yeah, the pros and cons of using performance enhancing stuff. Your numbers will go up. You'll recover faster. You, you know, <clears throat> using certain stuff. Crazy workouts, you don't get sore at all. You just don't get sore. Like, I almost forgot what the arms was for like four years. You know, getting <laughs> <laughs> sore, what? And uh, yeah, I saw these leg day memes about people being sore. I'm like, what the hell is that about? But I would say the biggest thing 
that you have to decide when you're going that route is what have you accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish being natural? There's nothing wrong with doing either of them, you know, but have, that's why there's federations as well. Have you accomplished everything you wanted to accomplish? And that being said, it's like once you do it, yeah, you can. I think what's the, what's the period that you can go back three years after you've been off or something like that, or five years? I can't remember what USA Oh, uh, it's thir- You're supposed to be thirty six months. Yeah. Yeah, three years. Thirty six months. Right. So three years. Right. Are you gonna feel? There's always gonna be a stigma over you when you. Yeah. Do. There's always gonna be a stigma. You go, dude. If I waited three years and went back to USA Pale, do you think people would treat me the same? No, oh, no, nobody would want you there. And, no, and, exactly. and you'd still have an advantage, I think, in my opinion. I think so because I built the muscle tissue and I built the um, uh, you know, the ligaments and the tendons, the attachments. But do you think that's even a realistic situation where somebody is on drugs for four years and then they can be clean for three years and come back? Like, don't well, don't don't you think somebody would have to be on some level of TRT? To no. like just have a normal life, not if you, really, no. you can return to normal function. Yeah. yeah. If you did, if you didn't destroy yourself, you could be decent. You yeah. Could be decent. Um, Good to know, um, Alex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the <laughs> no, I, I think it's fair. It's unfair because I think you know when we went, when um, Doctor uh, Chris Hunt. Chris Hunt, you know, went in front of the board and talked about transgender lifters. He, he was showing studies where. Um, being exposed to steroids, you know, and then even when you come off, you have extra cell sites in your muscles that, yeah, that have so some mu- muscle you're, memory. You're being, yeah. Yeah, you're changed forever. So, so, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with people, you know, yeah, you can do whatever you want, be whatever you want, but here's the thing if you turn transgender, no one's making you Just go to a federation that doesn't test. That's all. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I get it. You made your choice and you want to do what you want to do and that's totally cool but go lift where they where that's fine like for instance i can't go lift or in the, in the past i couldn't go lift back in usapl because i wasn't I wasn't able to right i was doing certain things i wasn't able to but for me to be like well that's not fair and this and that come on man. like look if you're taking something that they don't allow you to take no matter what your situation is just lift where they allow you to take yeah, I, I agree. If you're using if you need to use drugs and they're not allowed in the Fed, then go to a Fed that allows drugs. But that's well, kind of, I didn't well, expect to go down that road. But but, but yeah, <laughs> we're going all but I will say if you if someone wants to decide to make that decision, because I think me and Malik before before any of these guys went over there, um, it was really me and Malik that sort of went from USAPL over. And, uh, you know, we didn't get a lot of publicity for whatever, but we were some of the first guys. And then, you know, I went from powerlifting more to bodyweight. Now you still these powerlifters that are doing bodyweight show. So it is what it is. But I would say, no matter what you transition to or what you do, make sure you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish because you'll never go back. Yeah. So you'll never be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you'll know, you know. Yeah, you'll know. If I see you in a bodyweight state next to Phil Heath, I'll know about Yeah, you'll know then. I think... I still have some, I still have some goals and, um, I think a lot of it's also kind of like community. Like if you, if you have a group of people and, you know, they're all about, you know, competing in the USAPL and competing clean, then it's, it's, it, 
kind of is a lot harder for you to go like dark if you hang out with a bunch of people that lift in yeah sorry your crew's natty man <laughs> yeah my crew's <laughs> a bunch of squares yeah <laughs> but yeah like if you train at a gym where it's like very prevalent you know that's just what you're around and that's what you know then a lot of guys turn dark there but um i guess like i think besides that there's the drawbacks of like health things but you think like um if you do it pretty smart it can be done pretty healthy yeah yeah mm -hmm. so like when you yeah, decided to good. go when you decided to go on like who's the first person you called and like how did you feel like the first yeah. day did you feel well, did you feel dirty uh yeah not no, i guess like if you wanted to go that way you're not trying to cheat you're, you're going untested you know what like what advice would you have for you, being, you being healthy and safe you've got the internet at your hands research so it's like look up everything for months and just search research everything yeah and look at forums like what people say put it all together but find someone who's knows what they're doing there's so many coaches out there now that will give you advice on how to use things find a good one i was lucky to have uh, a certain gentleman who was one of the best professors of all time guide me on a path to start out and, and be smart with things and uh yeah i know who, i know who that is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I, you know, I was very, very lucky in that sense that you know I was I'm one of these guys that has to know everything about something before I do it. So yeah. between researching and working with him, it was uh, it was it was it worked out okay. But yeah. I was I have one question for you. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, did people really come up to you at like colleges and stuff and ask if you were me? When was that? I. I think that I think someone might have asked me if I was Revis before. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I remember you came up to me one time. I didn't. I didn't know who you were. Yeah. And this was like the last police, like 2013. And you're like, dude, someone just asked me if I was you or something. Like yeah. <laughs> I don't think I made it up. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. But that was also like seven years ago now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get. I get that. And then sometimes I'm like, hey, I might kind of look like Jonathan Keiko. A little bit. Yeah, he gets yeah, Jonathan Keiko, who's like a really good 93 key lifter. I'm like a better looking John Keiko. Are you, are you Asian? Is that the Asian? Yeah, I'm half Korean. Yeah. Are you really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like on the internet, though, I mean, like, how do you know that it's just not some like skinny nerd behind the keyboard typing in forums about all all this because bullshit? It probably is. It probably is, and that's why you gotta you really gotta. So you gotta find that one person in real life to the truth your thing yeah that's probably the best way and then just look up there's so many studies out there that actually tell you I, yeah I, th I think that's good advice because there are there's a lot of studies out there that you can that's see nice. especially on, on like anabolics i think on sarms there's a lot less but yeah. um yeah. another thing i wanted to ask is about like sourcing so like how do you know like what you're putting in your body is what you think it is because uh, there's underground labs where people are cooking shit in bathtubs there's stuff coming from china and then there's like mm. stuff from the, the the bro at gold's gym and there's shit that mm. you buy on the dark web so like what it, like a lot, of it, a lot of it really comes like from china yeah a lot of it like all, all the stuff that starts out like the powder or whatever but you never gonna know you never gonna know you never know. I wish I wish could tell you like a better answer. Yeah. yeah, I've heard some people send like send stuff to like labs for testing. Is that like something? You can that... Buy test yourself. Yeah. You can buy test yourself and get get the test in and, and see if it's real and stuff. But I guess you know once you 
figure out what works stay with that yeah yeah that's another deterrent for me yeah i just thought of another question too john do you and i i'm glad this didn't happen to you but i feel like you see untested lifters and you see a lot of like really bad injuries like tendon and ligament tears and things like that and i mean i just think of like malik and like malik was so good for a short period of time right after in drug in in a non-tested but he just kept having injuries and injuries and injuries or you see like you know who's it uh brandon lily tears both patellas shit like that dan green dan green like you see really catastrophic shit and a lot of it happens in comp where in the ipf you don't see that you just don't see that catastrophic shit happen in comp do you think that there's a correlation or you just think you guys are that much stronger and and shit happens no no you push your body there are the thing i don't like nowadays is everyone says this guy's a freak that guy's a freak. This guy's insane. Uh-uh. They're not freaks. They're just doing what they got to do. Right? <laughs> they're just taking things to a level where they're not afraid. Right? They're not, they might not be afraid to take as much stuff as the next guy. And, or they just don't care. So it's like, it's, how do I say it? Of course it's correlated. Of course. And the one thing that I'm always super thankful for is that I got out and I never had to have a surgery. I never had a catastrophic injury happen. Um, now I separated some of my tricep off my bone, but it healed back up, like it, it connected back, um, right at my elbow. And it was just from doing something like, I had like four, I had like five 45 pound plates. And I was just rubbing out like sets of 20 on dips after I was like, this crazy stuff, right? And then the next day I couldn't, I was, like leaning against the wall, I couldn't push myself off the wall standing up. So that was the worst one. But I'd say that, yeah, it's definitely correlated. A lot of the injuries I saw over time, it was almost like I would wait to see who had the next injury. You know, um, I think uh, a guy named Rob Philippus, quad yeah. like Rob, he just tore his quad this weekend. He just tore his squad 900 for, it was like doing like a 790 squat warm up. Like he just squat 900 for like six or seven years. So this shouldn't have been anything crazy for him, but he's warming up and blew his quad right off the bottom. Do you think so, it's like water? Do you think it's more the crazy water cut, or you think it's the drugs? Yeah, are there certain compounds can dry out your ligaments, right? Is that true? Yeah, but guys aren't taking those for powerlifting. Oh. I would say it could be definitely could be the, the weight cuts, but it, it's a hundred percent. Guys just push their bodies. You just push their bodies, and it's just a matter of time. You, know, you, you have, have more muscle than is normal, and then your your ligaments and tendons are not. Using more weight, using more yeah. weight than normal. So whether you have more muscle or not, it's just your body can't handle it. because yeah. um, I'm not gonna say it's it's just raw lifting because like there's plenty no, of natural raw lifters who you know like Ray Williams squat a thousand pounds raw in competition many times. Like he you know knock on wood like hasn't yeah. blown out his patellas, but like I've seen a lot of that shit with guys trying to squat 800. You know, I'd, I'd say it's like this, Joe. That's a really good point, Joe. I'd say it's like this. Yeah, guys, if everyone across the board was natural, you still have Ray Williams. Yeah. You still have a lot of these guys. But all the guys that you stuff wouldn't be what they yeah, are. They wouldn't be and, shit. And then you get upset about that. Dude, I'll say, I mean, shit, you saw my numbers before. They were good. And you say, no, I was like national champion stuff. But then when you go there, it's like it changed and you yeah. go next level. A lot of the guys that you stuff in those, the feds that aren't tested, their numbers would come back a lot. 
and let's say naturally their body, well, Ray Williams naturally can squat 1100. Let's say a guy squatting 900 in sleeves untested, he might be squatting 650, 675. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But when, when you, no matter what you do, when you put that extra weight on you, that, that 300 pounds on the squat, you may be able to handle it for a while, but eventually your body's going to be like, hey, dude. Yeah. This ain't what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you think like when you say the word freak, you think of guys like Ray Williams or Dennis Cornelius because you, you those are freaks. Those are freaks. Those yeah. are one hundred percent freaks. Yeah, that's a good perspective. And I'm tired of people saying Ray Williams is is using this and using that. Let's be honest, dude. Ray's not using nothing. Like the no. every story that people talk about him walking around with Fanta and uh, a whole plate of food at nationals in between sets or whatever. The guy just—he—he's built for it. You look at him. Look at the way he's built. The guy's hips are two feet wide. You know, <laughs> yeah. he's just built for it. And yeah. uh, some people are built for it, and they just excel at it. So it's like—I think it's something that Sherman talked about. There's, there's going to be these guys that are once in a generation. Like there was one Mark mm -hmm. Henry, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, people didn't think he was on stuff because he was doing—he was pulling 900 when he was 18, 19 years old. He was barely out of yeah. high school. So how much shit could you be on? You know. Um, same thing with Ray, you know, when you pass a certain amount of blood test, wad of blood test, it's like, okay, leave the guy alone. Like he's not on shit. Um, I think it once every 20 years, you're just going to have a guy that's so much better than everybody else. And people need to live with that. Like powerlifting is not democratic. You know, everybody wants a fair shot at, at breaking a world record, but it's not that way, yeah. you know? And you have to live with that. Like I've had to come to terms with a lot of things. Like maybe I won't win a world championship and I've been at this for 12 years, you know, and it's not, it is fair. It, it, it is fair because that's just the way it is, you know? Um, so that's, not that's my thought not, on it. Not everyone's made to be Mr. Olympia. Not everyone's made to be a world champion. Yeah. It, and you can be, at the end of the day, I think the best way to look at it is just be the best you can. Once again, it all comes back to being like doing this, doing powerlifting especially. It's got to be internal. It's got to be intrinsic. Because if you try to get happiness or try to do something outside of that, you're never going to be happy. You're never going to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So as long as you push yourself to do what you can do, yeah, then you'll be fine. But yeah, going back to that question, the whole term, this guy's a freak, that guy's a freak, so overused, so overplayed. There are a couple freaks out there, for sure. But there are a lot of, quote, freaks that are just guys who are not afraid to do what chemical, they do. Chemical freaks. Chemical freaks, for sure. 100%. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. What other questions do we got? I think, I think, I mean, we kept John for almost two hours. I think we're good. I think we got a lot of good perspective, man. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the bodybuilding though. All right. So let's talk about some body. I think the other stuff like the, you know, showdown and, and other stuff we could, we could do it another time. Yeah. We'll talk, I mean, we got John next, right now. Yeah. Right? In our next episode, we can recap that showdown with, uh, you know, all those untested. And then we'll talk yeah. about COVID and, and Fort Collins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, while we have John, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about the bodybuilding. Um, you're obviously looking great. You're looking huge. Um, you know, when's your next competition? And you're you're shooting for IFBB Pro. You're not. You haven't gotten your pro card yet. I only competed once, and I, I what, what happened was um, I got injured training, and I was like, I'm tired. Like I'm, I'm done getting all these little nagging ones. You know, I, I was not having fun with it anymore. So I said, there's a local Jay Cutler competition in Richmond, Virginia, where I used to live, and I was like, okay, I got ten weeks to do this. 
and I had a really good coach who's a professional bodyguard at the time, competed at the Olympia and stuff like that. He coached me during it um, and taught me how to eat right and things like that. And I got pretty much like, I mean, I was, my glutes were shredded. You know, I was like national level readiness in eight weeks. And I was That's like, crazy. look, uh, yeah, and I passed metabolism, but I was like, hey, I'm going to go into this. If I look like trash, I'm not doing it, right? I'm going to, I'm never going to do it again. This is being realistic, but I looked pretty good and I did well. I won my class and everything. And I was like, okay, let's, let's take this seriously. And so just like you guys, like I'm very competitive, like with myself and, uh, you know, I took the last three years to really put on a lot of sides. So at my last show, I was 217 on stage. And this summer, I was 300. Um, of course, I was loaded and stuff like that. But I'm walking around, uh, you know, looking fairly good with my coach right now. And I'm about 280, 280-something. So if I can get on stage in the 250s, uh, I'd be pretty happy. So that's a pretty, I'd say, 35 pounds of muscle in, like, three years. So that's pretty insane. Um, yeah, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. I yeah, mean, so, so you said that you, you like powerlifting was like too much, like too crazy. You wanted to consider your health, like for bodybuilding, you think it's kind of like tamer dosages and like a little yeah. safer for sure. 100%, 100%. I couldn't stress that enough. It's food. It's food. When you see, why do powerlifters look the way they do in bodybuilders the they do? Yeah, it's the training. It's the food. It's the diet. When I was powerlifting, I didn't eat, I didn't weigh my food to the grain. I didn't eat six, seven times a day. I didn't do high carb days and low carb days to, to crank up my metabolism. I wasn't doing that. I wasn't getting my healthy fats in. Well, let me have 15 grams of almonds with every meal on my medium carb day. Like, I wasn't thinking like that. It was just train hard, eat a shit ton of food, try to be healthy, throw some greens in there. Good, you know, go. If I got four meals a day, cool. If I got six, that's awesome. Right. Sometimes I get three powerlifting, but they'd be really big meals. Now, I mean, I time everything on my phone. I'm eating at the same time every day. I go to work. I have the same food every day. Um, I, I follow my, my diet plan. I check in with my coach weekly. And it's it's much more strict. So I would say that it's not – I would say that in powerlifting, guys are doing some food stuff, but there's no way they're doing it seriously bodybuilder. And it's obvious because you look at their physique. So they can say – well, that's not fair. I do it. No, you don't. You don't do it as serious body work. Look at your physique. I would say that drugs are relied upon a little more heavily in powerlifting, and food is more relied upon in body work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember what 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 podcast it was, but I mean, we talked about Alex, where somebody was like, "Yeah, you know, you, you see these pro bodybuilders, and you think they must be on." most steroids like crazy and whoever the guy was maybe it was greg valentino remember greg valentino yeah Yeah. he was like these guys are just yeah but he was like everybody thinks like phil heath is on the most stuff but really phil heath is just running tests and is like you know just a genetic freak and is on this crazy diet and trained six times a week and all this shit so it's like that's pretty much what they were talking about and and more than test but i I understand that but like i understand that but it's not what you would think because it's it's there's a lot of other factors and also phil heath is maybe like a genetic phenomenon i'd agree with that there's definitely a lot of guys that are taking a lot more shit that look awful than someone that's taking you know that looks great in the second when you look at like thor or eric Littlebridge or like rich piano who didn't even compete you can tell they look unhealthy right but like does phil heath well off-season bodybuilders tend to look unhealthy, but like when they're on stage, they look pretty freaking good. 
I'd, I'd say the best example of that could be Jay Cutler. Really? Yeah. Guys, Jay Cutler was a mass monster. Him and Ronnie were at 280 on stage, shredded, 5 foot 8, whatever it was. And you look at him now, he's some guy's healthy guy, living a good life. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's no, no surgeries, but pretty sure his numbers, his livers, everything are fine. Um, he's just been always living life. And uh, I would say that Joe's got a great point. Just because you take a certain amount of whatever, you're not going to look, you know, doesn't mean that you're going to look a certain way. There are so many guys at a, now it doesn't say that bodybuilders take less, because there are some guys that will take way more. There's some guys out, you know, there's always, you're going to have a guy in whatever sport just doing crazy stuff that you're just like, that's retarded. Yeah, like Boston Lloyd. Just correct. And Boston's an awesome guy because he keeps it real. I will say that. Yeah. Um, But you got, when you're looking a certain way, you just sort of, it's not that you take more, it's you use it differently. There are different compounds and different things that have different reactions. So I would say the guys that do the best in power from like Dan Green and stuff, they've got their diet and things in check as well. Um, But the good thing, like Alex, said, you said, yeah, I would say overall, I've been in both sides, like I've seen it. So if people want to argue, that's fine. I'm saying what I've seen and what I've known, what I've heard. and And so it's like, yeah, I would say overall, it's you're more health oriented in bodybuilding than now the things in bodybuilding that'll mess you up are walking around at 300 pounds of muscle walking around at whatever because because it is going to be hard for your part to pump to the muscle than to body fat it just is what it is and so being that's why you see when a lot of bodybuilders retire they lose weight they lose weight and they lose muscle. Why, why would you want to get small? Why would you want? Why would Kevin LeBron want to go from Mr. Olymp- looking like Mr. Olympia to a normal guy nowadays? Why would these guys want to look like that? Dorian Yates, he's doing uh, yoga and he's eating vegetables and vegan, whatever he is. You know, um, why would they want to do that? It's because that's just what you, you have to do. That when you get older, your your heart's only gonna last. It's only got so many beats in it. And when you're younger, you can put your body through more stress. But when you get into those forties and Especially the fifties. If you're still doing things like you were in your twenties, you're not gonna last up. Mm-hmm. All right, so you heard it here. Bodybuilders use less yeah. than power. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So general. when is your next show? Do you have like a date? Next show, um, I haven't really said anything because everyone probably thinks like, oh, he's not gonna compete and this and that. But yeah, we're gonna do the Arnold Amateur in twenty twenty one, assuming. Yeah, yeah, they might move yeah. what we what we've heard in the Powerlifting Grapevine is they they might move the Arnold to the the second half of the year just to give more if time. That's, if that's the case, then I'll do a local show here and then try to do like USA's or, or something. Yeah. Try to try to make sort of a pro card one next year. Yeah. yeah. So at the Arnold, what you, do you have to win the overall to go pro, or do you need to win your class mm-hmm. overall? Mm-hmm. Arnold is very it's, it's hard. It's, it's it's hard, it's right? Harder. So, because you have international competition as well. There's not as many guys at the Arnold, to be real. There's not as many guys at the Arnold as are at USA's and whatever, but there's only one, I'm pretty sure there's only one pro card given out, and you have to win the overall. So, even if you win your class, they take the class winner from each class, middleweight, lightweight, heavyweight, super heavy. They put them all together, only one guy gets a pro card. Yeah. Now, at nationals, every class winner gets a pro card. Yeah. So, or is it is it top two or just one? Depends. I think nationals... Maybe top two. Yeah, I think but I know like North Americans is only the you win. Like they have sort of different rules. Yeah. But 
overall, mostly it's like if you win your class, you get a pro card. Yeah. Because I remember I actually went to nationals um, mm-hmm. and I was top two, at least for classic physique. I went there and mm-hmm. I got smoked. I looked around and I just saw like the veins on everybody and the size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Babel, yeah, yeah, yeah. Babel went natty into I fucking went, the jungle. Dude. Yeah, dude. I went, <laughs> I went, I went to a gunfight with a f- spoon. Thanks. Yeah. So like when I went, when I went to the, the Boston show and I, I got, Second in the overall, I thought maybe like 70% of the people in that contest were using. But then when I went to nationals, I was like 98% of the people here are using. Mm-hmm. What would you think? And like in terms of NPC and IFBB, like all that, like what would you consider it na- like natural to unnatural? Because I think NPC says they technically test like in their like rules, but they don't. If you, they have, I know they have like one or two competitions here like tested or whatever, but if you want to be an IFB pro, doing men's physique, you could probably sneak in and get your pro card natural. Yeah. I think sure. you used to be able to. It, I think it's evolved. I think you used to well, be able to. Well, what I'm saying is, I think you could earn a pro card natural in men's physique, competing open like against other guys that are using. Yeah. But if you want to be an open bodybuilder in this day and age, no. 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 So, like, yeah. I'm, I'm interested. Well, I have two questions. What does a pro card get you? And maybe both of you know. Like, you just get to do bigger shows? You get to compete for money. You get, okay. you get a, uh, you're a professional. So you can no longer compete at an amateur level. You no longer do local shows and stuff. You have to. That's why a lot of people get the pro card. They just disappear. Because well, then you get your ass whooped for a little while, right? Like Exactly. Okay. So either that's when you decide, hey, Okay, let's, so let's let's give an example of like, let's say what I'm doing, right? Let's say I, I win a show, I go to nationals, I win my class, I get my program. Okay. I look good, I, I'm great for nationals and that level and stuff like that. But now I get to compete against Rolly Winkler and Phil Heath and Big Romney. Yeah, you're going to go get last at the New York Pro. Exactly. Okay. So you have to decide do I want to go this level or do I not? And well, that's another competition. Well, like say 2021 goes well for you and you get your pro card. Like, what is your ultimate goal in bodybuilding? Um, my ultimate goal in bodybuilding is to get on Arnold stage once and hopefully the Olympic stage once. Maybe get a pro card, pro league, something like that. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, I'm going to Right. No, I'm not. I'm not it's not a must. It's just, it's not a must. It's not a must. It's just like, I want to see what I can accomplish. And um, I really want to try to get it before I'm 40. Yep. You know, so get everything done before 40. And once 40 hits, I want to be a surfer and switch up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, getting to the Olympia is a big accomplishment because you need to, you need to qualify for it. And you need to basically win a pro show, right? You need to win a pro show or you need to do it on points. Yeah. So you have to place well in several shows. Yeah. So that's a big A little different from powerlifting because powerlifting, you just compete. And whatever, you know, if you're strong set of records, you're not, you don't. But in bodybuilding, you have to earn a pro card. So you, the shows you win, you can get money. Yeah. And yeah. the Olympia, if you won the Olympia, you get half a million or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was my goal just to, in classic physique, it's a little bit different than bodybuilding since there's weight limits for your height. And so I was mm-hmm. like, if I place top two at nationals, I get my pro card. I know I'm not going to be able to compete as a pro, but like, I was like, that's maybe a good goal to see if I could so, do and that. And that's some people's goal. That's why yeah. some people, that's why that's all they want to do. Yeah. That, they know, like, I got okay. there. 
I got there to yeah, nationals, and, and I was like, fuck. You guys are engineers. You know, I, I do IT stuff. There's other – you have to balance, and it's like it takes so much that it's like, you know, certain things have to suffer in order to excel yeah. others. So. so, like, the last thing I'm curious about, and it's something I talk about with, like, close friends all the time is, like, my exit strategy, right? Like, eventually I'm going to retire, Ooh. and I want to, like, lose a lot of weight. You know, mm-hmm. like, what is your exit strategy, you know, being, like, you know, walking around near 300 pounds now and, you know, taking some hormones and stuff like that? Like, what is your exit strategy and how do you see that going? Exit strategy would be to pretty much, I've been lucky in that, you know, went to a good college, uh, and studied and got good, you know, whatever grades I got and was able to be successful in that. And, um, I'm working in a good field right now. So trying to, when I'm not at the gym, I don't, I don't think about the gym. I, I do my food. I do everything I need to do. And I'm dead. It takes up a lot of time, but I'm studying for certain things in my career to give me a future that I'm not going to be dependent upon anything related to weightlifting for financial reasons or happiness. And as long as I can create you know, and use the education I got like you guys have, then you know that after lifting, you're going to, you're going to be fine. And, uh, whatever, there's always something that you can do. Like I've got, um, I'm in my sort of office room right now and, um, I played drums for a while. So I got a drum set like in here and stuff like that. So I've got little things that I, you know, I want to learn to play piano. I like music a lot. So I got little things that I'm going to do in hobbies and stuff. So other than, um, you know, being financially stable, this is all I want to be, it's financially stable um, in my life and stuff like that. I moved down to the beach last year and uh, this is just a place I want to live at and uh, cool. You know, that's what I want to yeah, do. I don't know if we're that smart. We'll probably like gamble a lot and stuff when we have extra time. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> we'll just spend all of our money hey, on calories. Big risk, big reward, baby. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, John. Um, I think this has been really awesome. I do appreciate you uh, being candid with us and, and taking the time to talk with us. And, yeah. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. Thank you probably got to go eat now. So. Yeah. yeah, definitely have to go eat another meal. But, yeah, I want to thank you guys for having me on um, because it's just, you know, one of the things that sometimes people do want to go different routes and stuff, and, and I was able to do that. So, like, if anyone have any questions or whatever, just, uh, just yeah. shoot me a message. Yeah, oh, hit hit up John. What's your Instagram, John? If you have questions, hit up John oh, at. Yeah, and you should check out his Instagram right. anyway because he's fucking. What huge. is what is your Instagram? <laughs> the, it's it's a bunch of underscores, but it's JC Rebus with some underscores in there. JC yeah. Rebus, you'll you'll find him. He's fucking enormous. You'll know it's him. And did yeah. so? Did we pop your podcast cherry today? No, dude. Funny. It's like this is the best podcast I've been on. <laughs> oh, shit, I, was on a couple I was on a couple podcasts like back in the day when I was getting the world records and stuff like that. I was on a few, oh. but this is by far. You guys are the best podcast. Well, thank by you. far. <laughs> All right, good shit, man. Thank you, John, and uh, we wish you the best of luck. I hope to see you on a pro bodybuilding stage. Um, if you ever compete at the Arnold, we'll definitely be there cheering you on. And uh, yeah, and and I will say though for the listeners, um, I plan on coming up there when you guys are a little bit safer and you don't have to wear masks all the time and whatnot. 
Yeah. And I, I sort of want to do sort of a powerful workout and then we'll go to a bodybuilding. Yeah, we're ready for you. Oh, hell yeah. Come up. Come up soon. When, when some of this stuff clears up, yeah, we, yeah, we'll still have the gym. Yeah. We'll still all be in the house. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to have cool. you, man. We'd love to. All right. Sure. All right. All right. Take it easy. Thanks. All right, you guys. See you, John. See ya.